bad news. I know it. I love when he does that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay, good luck. You say rock bottom, but like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can it get? Don't tell me down, you piece of shit. Shut your mouth. Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You fucking mark. Fire me. Fire me. How you think they going to feel when they introduce your boys as the new? WWE, Undisputed, Tag Team, Champion. Oh no, Oos, they might be cheering. Yeah. They might be booing. Yeah. Little kids might be crying. Oh yeah. We got grown men out there crying. Yeah. But they still might be hating on the Uso. Hating on us? Why? Because we went out there and did what we said we was going to do. Yeah. Buffalo, all your babbling is interfering with my machine. So, for the next few minutes, please just do me a favor and kindly... Thanks for everything. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 327 of the Hoops Podcast. Hope you guys are enjoying your week so far. It is truly the nefarious brother Adam. You can follow me at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. Just like I said last week, boys, it's great to say that once again on air. <laughs> welcome to the program. But like I said, you can follow me at Twitter if you like at the Hoots Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Josh Lopez Media. It is September 15th, 2022, as we record this in my Good Birds studio in Chirac. I am alongside this week. Brett Carter will be here, but he's being satellite this week. So make sure to stay tuned to the show to get another brand new edition of the Thoughts of Derrico with the one and only Brother Carter. Uh, but Brett Carter's not here for the, this portion of the podcast. You'll hear him a little later on in our main event segment. But uh, with me today is another one of the good brothers, the Ooses in our clan here. Uh, as Mike Tomlin says, the strength of our pack is the pack. And that's what we have here today. We got an OG good brother, the one and only Patrick Fritz. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, by the way, at RatedPWF. We will not miss it. Welcome back to the Hoots Podcast. What's going on, my man? Thank you, sir. I, I was on recently when you, uh, Sam, and I did the uh, football uh, picks for week one, and I was god-awful in it. But, I mean, we'll get to that later on. But uh, thanks for having me back again. Uh, thank you, brother. By the way, if you guys haven't seen that football edition, it's <laughs> it's a good one. We had a, f- a fun, interesting uh, conversation, and it's like, I think one of the reasons why the NFL is like king in the United States is that anything can and will happen <laughs> with the yeah, NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there was a lot of there was at least for me there was definitely a lot of surprises and a lot of uh, fun stuff that happened week one. That if that's week one, I mean we have sixteen more weeks to go. Yes. Uh, speaking of football, I have something about the NFL that's on my shit list this week. Um, that I had to get off my chest. It has to do with something I heard during the commercial break during Monday Night Raw this week, but we'll <laughs> get to that a little later on. Oh, gee, I wonder what that could be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, Pat is here, and uh, it's kind of cool. It's very rare. Obviously, when I do these like 
live video shows. Usually we have Brother Carr here doing this with me, but very rare we have anybody else doing the Q&A sessions. So this should be uh, very interesting. Um, we're going to do the back porch Q&A session. As this is your first time listening to the podcast or watching it, uh, I'd just like to say like our goal here is to make you feel like we're sitting next to you and it's like a weekend vibe or you're in the back porch on a Saturday night drinking. I, I drink water. I'm straight edge. But if, if you're drinking, if you're on a bonfire or whatever and you're shooting shit about professional wrestling, that's the goal of this podcast. And you know, it's a, uh, give you some life advice and kind of clear your head from some of the minutia you're going through every day. So if this could be a positive escape during the week, then our goal is accomplished. But uh, the back porch Q&A session is a very big important part of the show because I get to interact with you guys and see what you guys want to know about the show. And it's not always about wrestling every time. I, sometimes I'll give you some thoughts about how I'm feeling personally or stuff going on in my life, and um, it's fun. So it could go many different directions. But, uh, Pat, uh, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Because I know I sent in a, a handful – well, not a handful, but I sent in a few questions to you too on uh, Twitter before we made the decision for me to uh, co-host with you right now. Yeah, th- this is going to be the first time where live questions will be addressed to me as this goes on, so it should be interesting. Um, really quick for plugs, make sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast right now. Anywhere you get your podcast from, it comes to your free charge every single Thursday. Um, again, check out Brad Carr's work at DerekStoughton.com. Uh, check out my transcripts at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. And um, that's pretty much it. I don't think we, we don't have a Patreon, right? <laughs> I don't, and I'm certainly sure you don't have an, an OnlyFans or anything. So I think we're good on that front. <laughs> I, I, trust me, I, I'm all for Warfall, but I'm all about actually using your money for good purposes. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, let's get to the backwards DNA. You know, since you're, let's start off with your questions, my man. <laughs> uh, so the three questions I sent to you, the first one was, uh, who are the first main roster releases in the hashtag Triple H era? Okay. Um, I think two that come off the top of my head are Omas and Veer, uh, Veer Meek Mahan, um, <laughs> off the top of my head. I, the releases are so fluctuating and a lot of it has to do with how they want to structure their money output. Again, it's not your pro wrestling mom that pops up. This is a legitimate business. They got stockholders to listen to. So I don't know what the wave of releases are going to look like under this new regime and how that looks differently compared to how Vince was looking at things. And again, John Lordice is not head of town relations. Maybe he doesn't look at things <laughs> the same way as Triple H would right now. <laughs> Let's be honest, Triple H's got a lot on his plate right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, he's got so many – you would think that with all these titles and everything else, he would be, you know, maybe promoting somebody else to something else. But, I mean, I I think he's, like, chief content officer right now among, like, all the other things. He's head of creative. Like, it's just amazing what – the amount of work he's taking on. And I think it's a testament to – when he started like getting serious about like all this backstage stuff, I think it's a testament to how hard he's, you know, like yourself, how much of a hard worker he is and how much he feels he can take on. I don't put soon in the game for no reason. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I, I think honestly, if, if you want to look at 
what the releases would look like, Pat, I think you'll get more of it from the people that are in um, NXT or like muttering around the performance center. Those that you're not seeing on TV each week or it's not doing their job. So it's going to be, it's hard because I don't know what Raw and SmackDown are going to look like six months from now. I don't know when the next draft is going to be around. I don't know if the brand split is going to be over. That's a topic we can get to when we get to the WWE segment. It, it, there's so many variables. If I have to think about the guys that are not on TV right now, like Omos or Veer, guys that are not doing anything special, those are the two that come off the top of my head. How, what about you? Who do you think is – so? I guess one of the things that I was just thinking about is we just had that NXT Worlds Collide a couple weeks ago. So maybe they push off releases for another couple months because technically speaking, you just dissolved NXT UK. So you just got a lot of those people just released. I think a couple of them made their way into NXT. You're going back to potentially rebranding again NXT. I mean, with the end of the year anniversary episode the other night, like from Shawn Michaels' like voiceover at the end of it, it looked like they're going away from the like super colorful, artsy, childish NXT 2.0 back to kind of a blending now of what the the newer NXT logo looks like with the traditional black and gold kind of unique stylizing, which to me, I think the new logo, if that's what it's going to be going forward, looks fantastic. Um, But I think that to your point about the brand split, I think, again, that's going to be something that's probably going to be discussed, I would think, within the next six weeks, maybe, Um, because then afterwards you get into Survivor Series, which has kind of been fallen by the wayside lately. Yeah. December and January are kind of like eh kind of months because you're in the holiday season. You're not going to be booking anything major. And then the middle of January, we're right onto the you know road to WrestleMania. And, you know, you have the Rumble and then Fastlane and potentially Elimination Chamber and then right into Mania. Damn you, San Antonio. Do you guys really need the Rumble? I'm, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Everybody knows what's going to happen if uh, Royal Rumble's in Chicago. I'm not even going to. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's just an accident. That's gonna that's gonna be an insane. If they were to have it at like you know Wrigley or something, imagine the Royal Rumble at Wrigley. I, I don't insane. know why I don't know why WWE doesn't do more shows at the United Center. It's beyond me, but. Um, let's go. Let's, what's your second question? Uh, my second question is actually NFL related. How do you feel about uh, the Bears W against the Niners on Sunday? Because that actually knocked me out of uh, a survival. That was one of my two picks in the survival pool was the Niners. So <laughs> unfortunately, that loss kind of bit me a little bit in the you know where. That that's the that's the. The double-edged sword you got to deal with when you're doing survivor pools. Week one is one of the worst weeks in any sports. <laughs> oh, absolutely, because <laughs> I I did not want to waste, like, Tampa Bay. I didn't want to waste KC. Like, I wanted to save those for later on in the season. I, I had a very interesting uh, Sunday morning. I'm not going to expand on it too much, but I was a little bit affected uh, by uh, the torrential downpour that was going on in the city. It got really, really bad, but I got, I got that situated. And um, uh, 
for me, uh, I, I I only saw most of the second half of the game because I was dealing with the situation here. Uh, but uh, I I thought it was a good matchup for them, whether or not excluding. Um, yeah, I mean the field looked like it was a giant slip and slide. Yeah, it was. As, as evident by the end of the game. And it was a pretty cool visual scene. Justin and them slide into the end zone like that. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but here's the thing, Pat. Like I, I and we said this during the uh, preview show. I, I'm not buying the 49ers hype, and I thought this was a good matchup at the right time. And you guys strike with us. <laughs> Obviously, he's coming ahead of you. I, I think my specialty when it comes to like making picks with football is pinpointing when the upset is coming and. That that's my expertise, and I just thought the writing on the wall there. And look, I'm not going to make this as a referendum on Trey Lance and what he's going to be or not going to be. I'm sure he's going to have better performances than he did on Sunday. But from what I saw from my team, um, I just thought they were way more organized, way better coach uh, than what they looked with Matt Nagy. I think there was like one penalty they had for dumb reasons offensively wise something like that yeah i don't i don't really remember yeah but uh you know the couple throws justin made down to the field that's his that's his strength that that's what it's i I won't compare jay cutler but when you talk about quarterbacks that are good that can always throw down the field with no problem justin field is one of those guys um Obviously, we don't have the greatest wide receiver core on God's green earth, but I was encouraged by what I saw, and more importantly, I was more encouraged by what I saw by the defense because a lot of our main stars that were there for the last couple of years are now on different teams. So to see a guy like Dominique Robinson, who was a fifth-round draft pick this year, uh, causing havoc against Trent Williams, who's one of the best <laughs> left tackles in the game. I thought that was cool. You know, Jaqu- uh, Jaquan Brisker, uh, who's the safety, who's our first uh, pick of the draft this year uh, for Penn State, had another had a good game. Uh, Jalen Johnson had the peanut punch, which was nice to see on uh, Debo Samuel. <laughs> so I, for what it was, I thought it was good. Now, what happens on Sunday is – um, something I'm not ready to discuss because I was about to say that if you want to really gauge yourself against where you're going to be yeah. about 15 weeks from now, I think this Sunday is going to be a good test, quite honestly. Yeah, these uh prime time games uh in Green Bay are a roller coaster. <laughs> oh, I trust me, I, I will be well aware of that in a few weeks because I'm going to I'm going to that place as I discussed so. Yeah, Green Bay and their fucking cheese. Cheese guys are not that bad. I'm, I'm not going to rip them for that. Um, all right, well, what was their, their uh, My final question was actually uh, breaking off of NFL. Uh, what were your other surprises from Sunday? Um, I was surprised by how shitty Arizona looked. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I I started watching more of the second half games once I got everything situated and, you know, looking at the games. I, I had no doubt that Kansas City was going to win. I didn't think it was going to be a freaking molly whopping. You know, the, Air looks, Arizona looks like shit and everything they had. Yeah, was, I, I mean, for them. <laughs> to, to me, I, I think that Patrick Mahomes now is basically coming out and saying, listen, you guys can all, you know, jump on the Buffalo bandwagon if you want to, but just 
just remember they got to go through us to get back to the Super Bowl yep. or to or to get to the Super Bowl I should say um for me uh I think uh the the Giants pulling it out against the Titans I think that was kind of crazy yeah. um Monday night I mean you want to talk about the debacle of Denver and Seattle I mean my god were the 12s all over Russell Wilson I mean jeez Louise I, I mean I, I, I didn't know Mark Trestman was uh, going to come back into Nathaniel Hackett's body. Like, what was going on out there? I, I have no idea. I mean, you want to talk about insanity. I mean, besides that, and the only other thing I can think of is uh, you want to talk about the Falcons and another Super Bowl 51 flashback? I mean, my God. I mean, yeah. having a humongous lead and then just choking it away to the Saints on the last, like, couple minutes. I, I don't believe in curses. And I'm not a Cubs fan, so I say that <laughs> it's, I, I, I don't believe in that shit. But it, it's just fascinating how many leads this football team has given up over the last four or five years since that Super Bowl went down. It's yeah, ridiculous. I mean the the memes the memes are out there. I mean, I I think I remember they said, including the Super Bowl, that was probably like six or seven that they've had multiple score leads, and then they've just you know. They've taken their foot off off the gas completely, and they put it on the brake, and they just allowed it, the other teams to just go right by them at the end. And it's like, why? Yeah. Uh, but I think for me, if I had to pick one major surprise, though, is the fact that the Colts had to get a freaking tie with the Texans. I mean, like, come on. Every the, the they, other... always hype, they always hype the Colts as like a uh, sneaky playoff team and like they're going to make noise and then you can't beat freaking Lovey in overtime. Like, <laughs> I, I think the, the crazier stat was the fact that we were close to having two ties in week one. of. I, I can't remember the last time two games went I, I, that early in the season. I mean, later in the season, it's obviously going to be potential, but – those two games going into overtime and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, we have a tie. Oh wait, we might have another tie. Like insane. Just insane. I think NFL guys were uh, giving, throwing Scott Hansen a bone <laughs> here. Let's have some drama for you for week one. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, all right. Good questions is always good, brother. Let's see what else we have here on the docket this week. We go to Chris Aletta at XTZaletta24X on Twitter. Um, good brother as always. He says, what up, who's here? Some questions for the Q&A this week. Was this Dominic Monsieur's best work since his program with Seth Rollins? Good question here. We don't really get a lot of questions about Dominic. Um, right now, it's so early to tell. Like, I'll be honest with you. I... I've really appreciated what's been going on with the Judgment Day and everything with the Mysterios that this hasn't been rushed and they had to add different layers to the story. Yeah, I, I can agree. Everybody can agree. The first the first start of the Judgment Day was what everybody wanted to be. But I just think the fact that this angle, this feud, whatever you want to call it, has had layers to it, has had time to you know, tell their stories and promos, Backstage stuff, good matches, Priest game victories over um, Rey Mysterio, Priest gains the main event against Edge in Toronto, Finn Balor picking up victories, 
Rhea Ripley uh, <laughs> coming off like the second coming of China. Like, I, I like where things have been going from them and the Mysterios and stuff like that. And I know a lot of people on Twitter like to pick on Dominic and Rebber, but for me, I, I've really enjoyed this, and I really like that program he had with Seth Rollins when he had his first match that SummerSlam, right? That was his uh, debut match. If, if I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think right now it's slow and steady. I don't think anybody can write right now what Dominic Mysterio's career is going to look like. <laughs> it's, it's, no, I, I... His lack of experience is way too early to forecast what that's going like, to look like. But for me, I've been intrigued, and I preach the fact that th- this hasn't been a program that's been rushed or just tossed to the side. What do you think, Pat? I mean, I agree. I think that the way that Dominic was introduced, again, I mean, for those of us that were in, like, the, you know, attitude and ruthless aggression eras, we remember the storyline with, you know, the late Eddie Guerrero, you know, Latino Heat, rest in peace, and Ray about, you know, the custody Dominic ladder match. That's, you know, the way everything culminated. Um, I feel to me that, to your point, that this storyline has has progressed really um, at, at, at a good pace. I think that, you know, for, first of all, storytelling without a championship being on the line, like we have not really had that like good, like quality storytelling, at least in WWE in like a really long time without some sort of title being on the line or anything else. So yeah. kudos to, you know, the, the culmination of this so far. I think that we, to your point, I think we need to see where this goes. Um, to me, what I like to see, you know, now that they've knocked out Edge, now that, you know, Ray is kind of on the shelf, I mean, where does where does Judgment Day go from here? Do they try to get themselves? I mean, there, there was a tease a little bit of Seth and Judgment Day potentially, like, you know, crossing crossing over. Does something like that happen, you know, Monday night with their match for the United States title? Does, like, Damian Priest get involved and try to take the U.S. title off of Bobby Lashley? Does Finn try to do it? Does even Dominic try to do it? I mean, that's the other thing, too. And, you know, is Rhea just going to stand by and kind of be like Dominic's, like, you know, like devil on the shoulder, so to speak, and just, you know, speak for him and, like, you know, do the whispering in his ear about what he's supposed to say? Um, to me, I'm more intrigued now about where this goes from here because I would really like to see Damian Priest and Finn Balor as a tag team, even down the line, maybe challenging for the tag team titles. Yeah. Because to me, how does a group like the Judgment Day become more powerful? They start getting more. They start getting championships, and then you make them kind of like a similar group to like what the bloodline is right now because yeah. you know what is the key thing of the bloodline the bloodline is they have all the gold so eventually you're going to have to have these groups you know unless you get the titles off of the bloodline somehow you're going to have to have these guys cross over at some point well here's the thing and you brought up Seth Rollins I'll tell you right now I, this hasn't been discussed but if Seth Rollins is going to be uh, the leader of Judgment Day you really got something on your hands money-wise because if you want a Survivor Series match of Judgment Day against the Bloodline, like, (laughs) something right there. Oh, you know what? With the four, I mean, you would have to probably throw... It's it's too bad that it's not NXT because this would be a perfect War Games match. 
Um, but I mean, for a Survivor Series, I mean, the Bloodline, even with you know Solo Sokoa in there with the Usos and Roman versus Judgment Day and Seth, I mean, that would be a perfect main event. Mm-hmm. Don't forget Sammy, the honorary. Oh yeah, the honorary. <laughs> uh, he's, that guy's a trip. All right. Um, I'm curious to see your answer to this one. Um, will Liv Morgan beat Ronda Rousey for a third time? Ah, oh, my girl, my girl, my hometown girl. Yep. Um. Yes, but shenanigans. I, I think that we have to see what the stipulation. I mean, it's an extreme rules, so there has to be a stipulation. I am thinking it's a no DQ match. I'm thinking, I mean, I would find it funny as anything if they did a submission match because I don't think Liv has a submission hold unless they break something else out. Like, uh, didn't didn't Cena like go into a submission match and he didn't have a submission and then all of a sudden they came out with the uh, STF? I think so. I'm trying to remember which. I, I think that's how he he they introduced the STF into his arsenal. Was he? I want to say it was like a, a match against – it was like a submission match for the WWE title against Angle, I want to say. And it was – Oh, yeah. It and that's a- how they entered and – and Angle was mocking him because he's like, you don't have a submission. There's no way you can win this match. And then all of a sudden he did the cross face, which they you know labeled for him as the STF. So to me, I, I think that it depends on the stipulation. If, if it's – if it's a no DQ match, I think Liv wins. If it's anything else that favors Ronda, I think Ronda could win, but it also could be shenanigans again. And honestly, as much as I love Liv for cashing in on Ronda and then her going a couple months past now and having two victories on Ronda, like I think now it's now Liv is unfortunately going to lose it. I think Liv's money is in the chase. As much as it hurts, and again, I really don't like the fact that the last couple of years they've had the women, you know, miss money in the bank, cash in within 24 hours. I think mm-hmm. that's that's dumb. I think that the best cash-ins for the women, I think, have been Carmella. As much as it pains me to say that, I think yeah. that she had the best cash-in because she did it on Charlotte. And that was the one that you really didn't expect. You know, speaking of Charlotte, the only way I see Liv winning this match is if uh, Charlotte costs Ronda Rousey the match. That would that would be interesting to have Charlotte come out mid match or something, or come out at some point and Ronda's like taking her focus off of Liv. And let's not forget Charlotte and Liv Morgan have history with each other too, because. Charlotte was picking on Liv when the Rice Squad got split up, and yeah, I read this because uh, there's like an angle they writ Liv off off of TV. Had to be like 2019, I think. This is before the pandemic, something really, like that. Yeah, it's right around that time when uh, they first went all single, and I was like. I know knowing Triple H would be something he would look back on and be like, you know, this is something we could address. If anybody would take the title off for her, it would be Charlotte. I, yeah. Just keep an eye out for that. Uh, for those who are watching, don't be surprised if Charlotte 
wrinkles her way <laughs> uh, back into the top picture. But it's, it's a question, uh, Chris. I'm glad you asked that one. Um, uh, how about this? Uh, he said thoughts after week one of the NFL. We uh, talked about that a little bit. Yeah, we, we covered also, that already. Also, uh, the Cowboys uh, getting away with the Cowboys more than – <laughs> I can't really say they that. they get in their own, they get in their own way so freaking much, man. It's not even funny anymore. I think I even put out. Um, I said, are we really? Uh, or, or no, the over um, Pat McAfee's overreaction. I said, are we really surprised that the that that got hurt week one? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll say this thoughts after week one. Maybe just the, I'm an old school football fan, and at the end of the day. For my time playing high school football and everything I know about football, like for me, stats don't win you fucking football games. I don't care if you throw four touchdowns and have two picks and you still lose the game. That doesn't make you a good team or whatever. Like for this is a Twitter thing for me, the takeaway, Pat. Like for me, when did it become more important of what your stat line was as opposed to the final score of a football game? It's like all these asterisks and all these uh, fleeting controversial takes would be like, oh, this team didn't deserve to win because this quarterback didn't do this or do that. They want the fucking game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, more, it's more along the lines of, you know, the, the grand old dollar. I mean – that's when stats, you know, become all the more important is when it gets, you know, the, the, the players on the field, when it gets them the incentives and the bonuses and everything else on their, their paycheck. I mean, to me, yes, you're absolutely right. You know, I'm, I'm more of the, you know, I, I like to make sure that my team has more points on the board than the other at the, you know, end of four quarters of regulation time or overtime, and then they get that dub. I mean, quite honestly – you know, that, that to me is what makes you – that should make you the money at the end of the day is the fact that, yeah, I mean, you can have, you know, your, your best career, you know, season and you can go like, you know, nine and eight. And it's like, okay, but what does that get you at the end of the day? You know, that, yeah, that might get you an extra million dollars in your paycheck, but does that, you know, make up for the satisfaction of knowing that you went nine and eight? I mean, that's – to me, it's like, eh. You know what you get for that? You get Matthew Stafford's on the Lions or Matt Ryan with the Falcons. That that's what oh. that's get you. Or you get Matthew Stafford on the sidelines saying pizza pizza. <laughs> I saw that commercial. <laughs> Brutal. Um by the way, there's a phrase that Conan says on his uh podcast uh called Jojo Dutch. That's kind of the same way of saying brutal. <laughs> um, all right, next question for Chris. He says here, what do you think we'll see Legato Del Fantastic? Could they help Ray with his program with Judgment Day? Um, yeah, I think uh, Legato Del Fantastic would be a good group for Raw. Um, good, And there are a lot of heels. And Legato was a popular group in NXT for my time covering this show. And Santos Esmar is a tremendous wrestler. That's another guy you could put as the United States champion, and nobody would have an issue with that. Um, yeah, so if if Legato's like a secondhand option that protect Ray now that Edge got sent to the gulags on Monday, um, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with that. 
I mean, I'm, I'm unfortunately not as familiar with them as you are. So, I mean, I, I would, you know, bend to your, your opinion there. Um, I definitely think that if Ray is going to have, if the judgment day is going to have a long-term program with, you know, Ray Mysterio at some point, you're obviously going to have to find at least two more reliable week to week people that can, you know, go with Ray. And quite honestly, Again, back to our point, you know, discussing the Judgment Day. What is the long term storyline? Is the long term storyline for the Judgment Day to become like like the Bloodline and grab you know multiple titles and you know kind of put like fear over Monday Night Raw because right now you have the Bloodline doing that right. and you have you know you have the Usos week to week doing that on all the shows and when Paul Heyman comes back to regular TV because Lord we need him. Um. I think that's when you discuss that. Well, if you look down the line, and if, like we mentioned earlier with Seth Rollins, let's say uh, they find a scenario where, like, you know, there's been a lot of talk this week about how they're going to handle the two title uh, situation, right? Let's say uh, Raw gets one of their titles back, right? And Roman's still a champion. You have Seth Rollins as WWE champion. You have Priest in battle, like you said, tag champions. Rhea Ripley as the women, Raw Women's Champion. By the way, Rhea Ripley, I think she was supposed to have a match with Bianca Belair before she got her concussion. So that's something. Yeah, that's still before. that's still out there. <laughs> so there's a lot of a lot of avenues you can explore, and that's the fun thing about what these next couple of months are going to look like. So curious to see how that stuff plays. Ah. Um, all right, last question for Chris here. He says. With Mello losing the North American title, do you think the next move is the NXT title and him dethroning Braun Breaker in the next few months? Mm. Uh, yes. Uh, Braun has fought a lot of guys that like like Dolph Ziggler's of the world, the Paul Cruz, et cetera, et cetera. I'm a fan of Braun Breaker. <laughs> For his size and his experience, the guy's good. He's I, I, I There's a good ceiling for him, but he hasn't really had a challenge from the people that have been in NXT 2.0. It's been more of like mind games with Joe Gacy and him going after his father and, you know, stuff like that, trying to mess with him because he's a football player. You know, he, um, you know, they play a lot to that jock mentality and he's ultra sensitive and stuff like that. Like he gets his mind off of things where he should keep his focus in the ring. Uh, so I, I think, Carmel Hayes would bring something different to Braun Breaker that he hasn't had to face yet in NXT. So I could definitely see that. And with NXT, it's never really been about who's the, you know, size-wise or whatever. Uh, hell, freaking Pac was the NXT <laughs> champion, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be a size issue for Carmel Hayes, and I, I, I don't see why that could be a scenario. Well, I mean, if you're even talking size, I mean, look at, you know, Johnny Gargano. I mean, Johnny Gargano is a former NXT champion himself. I mean, right. but I, I definitely agree. I mean, now that Carmelo's lost the North American title, I, I doubt he gets – I mean, he could – I'm sure there's a situation he could, you know, throw himself in there for a rematch and then lose again probably via shenanigans or something. But I think to me, you're absolutely right. I mean, my my fear with a lot of these NXT champions is like, let's look at what happened the last time we had a good, you know, bunch of NXT champions. Champa, what happened? He's on Raw now, you know, with the Miz. 
Gargano just made his, you know, raw debut. Carrying Cross on you know back on SmackDown with you know Scarlet, thank God and thank God they gave him his old gimmick because that mm-hmm. Roman whatever the hell it was was just God, God awful. Um, but to me, my fear is that Braun Breaker will have a good package with Mello for, let's say, three to six months. Mello gets over maybe around like mania season. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the rumor is, oh, well, Braun's getting called up. Like you, you don't need him on Raw or SmackDown right now. Like let him be the face of NXT going forward for, you know, a number of months. And let's see where we stand come mania season if he needs to get like called up like let's wait and see you know if they're going to be your releases how many spots there are where people you know are if there's a brand split like let's let's see where the you know like let's see where the landscape is come you know four to six months from now yeah you don't you don't need either of those guys to be on raw or smackdown no not right now uh i know a lot of wrestling fans are creature habit and follow a lot of trends and they expect certain things to come at certain times. But again, happen when it needs to happen, not because that's just the way it is. You know, like yeah. it, more times than I could put it, put wrestlers in the wrong position because you, you feel like you need to feed like that Twitter beast. And again, we'll talk about this with AEW. That's their biggest flaw. They cater so fucking much to the Twitter mob and the uh, wrestling Twitter bubble. It's like, if if I never watch AW and I don't know who the fuck Dave Meltzer is and blah, 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 and I'm watching these guys and it's like a like a low-rent flea market version of WWE, I'm like, why am I watching this shit? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we'll we'll get to that later on because me and you haven't really had a chance to talk about AEW on here. Uh, great questions this week, Chris. I appreciate you, brother. Let's go to Mike at uh, Main Event Swerve. Good brother down in Houston, Texas. Sorry your team had to tie this week, my man. By the way, can we ban the tie? That's so stupid. We should not give out participation trophies, Pat. Like, I, I think on. that I, I I like as ridiculous as it is. I like the way that college football handles their their overtime. I think you you start on. I think they they start on the twenty yard line. I think it is. They start in the red yeah. zone. Yeah. And you have a series to get in, and then the other team matches it. Why can't we just do that in in professional football? You start on the twenty five. You're given one series to get it in the end zone, and then. You know, flip flip the coin, and then you know you you go back and forth, and then whoever you know, however long it takes, I think that that right there, you know, is is your your best way to do it. Right, I agree. Uh, really quick, uh, are you uh, are you a big fan of the PWI five hundred list, or are you like in debate about that? <laughs> uh, let me let me tell you something. How? I think that as as much as chagrin as it is for him right now, I think Punk really has Tony Khan to thank for his high spot in the freaking list because uh, if it wasn't for, you know, the amount of, you know, and I actually looked and see what, you know, constitutes their list. And, I mean, first of all, Roman being on top, no freaking, no freaking doubt there because, I mean, the dude is still on a tear. As much as, like – He's like sliding into part-time work now. I yeah. mean, the way that he's been built, the way that, 
you know, the, they've kept the titles on him, the way that his mic, I mean, even his mic work, I mean, granted, he's, he has, you know, one of the, the best, you know, arguably the best talker with him in Paul Heyman. And, and he just continues to get better and better over time. I mean, I don't think he's, he will ever lose a step in this, this world at all. But even Roman himself, when he's been out there by himself, has been, you know, an amazing talker as well. Um, he's the attraction of the business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, o- Okada, Okada at two. I mean, again, I'm not really familiar with all his work, but I mean, I, I don't think that's a, a bad thing to have him at two, but Punk at three is questionable to me. And Rollins not being in the top 10. Like, are you, are you kidding me? That's Seriously? Flat. And even, I mean, Moxley, I understand, you know, he was hurt and he was out and whatnot. That might, you know, hold him back from being in the top 10, but still, like, I would like to see next year's list. Like, we're already three months into, like, their criteria for next year's list. Right. Like, let's see where these guys are at, at that point in time. Because I'm sure that Moxley is going to be in the top 10. I'm sure Rollins is going to be in the top 10. So, I, I'm just – the top 10 just surprises me. But number one does not surprise me at all. Now that you travel to your Absolutely. Do about yourself. <laughs> Um, all right, here's Mike's questions. Um, let me swim the water really quick. What's up, Oost here? Some questions for this week's pod to keep the back porch talking. <laughs> he says, um, I know the XC2 boy could be evolving and all, but I am overly skeptical to not swoon over a logo changing, meaning the game will change anytime soon. Is it really black and gold XC with the same uh, CWC uh, and same roster, at least for now? Here's the deal, and I this is something I may have wanted to do on the WWE segment, but now you ask this question, I'll address this right now. Whether you are pro NXT black and gold, pro NXT 2.0, the fact of the matter is what NXT was from a content point of view had to evolve. And as much as I enjoyed the bar burners of Tampa Gargano, Adam Cole, and Ricochet, Aleister Black, Andrade, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That NXT Black and Gold was a knockoff of Ring of Honor. Let's just be honest about it, okay? Let's call it space fade. I, I, I'm not. I'm the. I'm going to be the last person to not. I'm going to be the last person to knock good wrestling and good wrestling matches. I'm all for that. But the content in itself had to evolve sooner or later. When it comes to WWE and whether people like it or not, they have an identity of what their content is and how they want to market their performers. And, you know, having good wrestling matches and, you know, 60% of your roster can't talk for shit, it's not because look if that's what your developmental is supposed to look like. So... Whether it's actually black and gold with the new logo, like you said earlier, I like it. It's kind of like fine wine. If you yeah, do. absolutely. <laughs> I think it, it puts a, it puts a crisp, as ridiculous as the statements about the sound, it puts a crisp coat of paint on something that's needed, you know, to to be overhauled. Honestly, because I think the last year for NXT 2.0, there have been a lot of highlights. There have been a lot of lowlights, but I think you know, again, to the voiceover that Shawn Michaels did. 
NXT is meant to develop the next generation for Raw and SmackDown. So that is where they're supposed to go. And again, to your point, NXT, you know, we'll call it 1.0, you know, the the black and gold era. Yeah, they had some phenomenal, phenomenal stuff like going on there. And I think that they attempted very, very loosely to try to make it a successful third brand. And I think around Survivor Series time, it was recognized as a third brand. But then I think Vince was just like, yeah, that's not really where I I see where it is. And that's what led to the downfall and the rebranding to 2.0. But now we're on 1.5, I mean, or 2.5. Like, I I don't know what, you know, we can really call this, but again, I am. Yeah. I think to me, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. I think that they, I'm still curious to see what happens with the, you know, the now defunct NXT UK championships. Um, is Mandy Rose still going to walk around with both of them? I I think she was on last night or Tuesday night, but I don't remember seeing anything about her having the two championships. Um, I think those, I I think those styles are going to be on shelf for, um, NXT Europe. That's what I was thinking. I, I, to me, I was like, well, why can't we just keep the NXT UK titles like, and rebrand them as like NXT Europe or something. And like, if they're going to be world cup, like triple H said in his post clash of the castle press conference, why can't we just keep, you know, the UK titles where they are and just make like other titles. I'm curious how they're going to map that out. Um, I, I mentioned when they made the announcement that NXT UK was going away, that I was bumped out about it. Cause it, it was my, uh, favorite WWE show of the week that they do, and um, I can't see how they're going to go about that with the titles, what that looks like, what if they do a new weekly show, whatever this venture starts. So I can't see how that goes. Let's go to the next question here. He says, uh, apparently Triple H should set up a takeover event for later this year. So that got me thinking, what match or matches would you want for War Games if it happens again for NXT? Well, I, I think for NXT, you probably will have another war games. And if I had to go with the women's, it'd probably be uh, Toxic Attraction and Cora Jade. Uh, you throw those four together, and then you have um, Zoe Stark, yeah, Stan Perez, um, Nico Santamora, and Alba Fire. There you go. What about Nikita Lyons? Uh, you can throw her there too, and then you can throw in um, what's her face, uh, Tiffany Stratton, uh, as the other uh, chick for the other team. There you go, you got your five ladies matches right there. Uh, as far as the dudes are concerned, um, you got Braun Breaker, Tyler Bate, uh, maybe Cameron Grimes. Um, this might be a good spot to put Carmelo in against as a leader of the other team against Braun to, to maybe say, okay, well, mm-hmm. let's, you know, let's you and I start something together that, you know, let me ch- start chasing you for your championship. Right. You got, you got Carmelo, you got his sidekick, Trick Williams, um, yep. Jordan Devlin. Um, I don't think Joe Gacy would be there. You know who will be good in that War Games match? Uh, Grayson Waller. <laughs> I think you got to take a bunch of bumps and throw them in there. But yeah, th- those would be the ones off the top of my head if they do a War Games. 
So curious to see how that goes. Oh, here we go. The solo Sokoa float between XC and the other shows, possibly defending the title against all who are interested. Maybe an open challenge thing. I don't see why that would be a bad idea, but um, him floating around with SmackDown and NXT is probably just the best bet for him, depending on how long he is going to be the champion. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I did not expect that on Tuesday, and I I did feel bad for Bello, but um, I can, I'm curious to see how this could play out. Uh, you know, solo having a champion, hey, you're in the bloodline. You better have some fucking gold, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is a way, um, one, to kind of solidify him as, like, the true fourth member of the bloodline. I think it's a way for now to kind of get Sammy kind of more pressured to get like get kicked out of the bloodline as, as ridiculous as, as that sounds. Uh, I'm still a fan of him and Kevin Owens teaming up to try to take one of the sets of tag titles off the Usos, quite honestly. Cause I think that with the history of KO and Sammy, like, you know, being best friends and then being, you know, better enemies against like Roman and the bloodline. I think that right there is probably your December or January like matches for the tag titles, depending on how they see themselves. Um, yeah, but I, I think yeah, him floating between NXT and SmackDown is good. I I don't want to see. To me, I don't want to see an NXT title defended on the main roster. Okay. I understand it. It worked for WrestleMania with Rhea and Charlotte. I understand that. You know, it worked for Kevin Owens when he was the NXT champion and and he put the title on the line, I think, on Raw one night, I want to say, when he came up, when he was still NXT champion. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that let's let's not get into the AEW way of thinking where it's like you're going to start having the Ring of Honor titles defended on AEW programming. I think that's just ridiculous. But let's keep... NXT titles defended where they should be defended, and that's on NXT programming right now. That the the Ring of Honor, the IWGP, the <laughs> the XYZ, the ABC, GCW, yeah, Outlaw Mud Show titles. <laughs> All right, next question. This is a two parter here. Uh, what do you think of Kiana Jades and Arya Grace becoming NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, possibly by WrestleMania Takeover? And also, Kiana has like five or six abbreviations attached to her. Uh, abri- uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Abri- abbreviations. Abri- uh, yeah, it's abbreviations, abri- right? Should have this right. Anyways, any idea of what any of them are? Um, as far as her and Grace becoming women's tag team champions, I think that has to come in due time. Uh, there has to be more development work that has to be done for both of those characters. They just started to link up as a tag team, so maybe around that time they're still a tag team. Uh, Mike, I can still see them become champions. As far as their aggravate. Abbreviations uh, or you know monikers, as you're trying to tell me here about Kiata. Uh, good waterfall, good legs, um, good potential. I don't know what <laughs> else I could add on to that, but good waterfall is good waterfall. If that's where you're trying to lead me to. 
Um, but yeah, Pat, like it's still kind of early for both of them. They just started becoming a tag team, so I can't really. Yeah, you know, I mean, to to me, when you first form a tag team, like there there has to be seasoning involved. Like yeah. you, you can throw two people together. I, I mean. The crazy case is Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah. I mean, you, you just throw them together and look what happened. You throw them in a tournament and they win the you know main roster women's tag belts. And then what happens two weeks later, they turn around and you throw it on damage control, which in my, in my mind, they really should have won the tournament anyway. But I, I'm still waiting to see when, you know, Naomi and Sasha make their way back onto the main roster because they have been rumored now that they've come to terms with coming back. So when are they coming back? Are they coming back, you know, at Survivor Series? Are they coming back at Rumble? Are they coming, you know, are they going to hold them off all the way to Mania? Like, to me, the problem with women's tag team belts is you need to have enough quality teams in order to defend them and I think that was the problem before and that's what led to Sasha and Naomi walking out in the, in the beginning was the fact that they weren't developing women's tag team wrestling in WWE and they really still haven't I mean you only have a handful of teams right now between the two brands which if you're going to end the brand split then that opens the door for you know having more quality matches and having you know to talk about stories. I mean, if you're having these stories with the judgment day and Rey Mysterio, whatever you have a title, and then you turn around and you look at some of these other titles. I mean, right now the tag titles don't really have a story. I mean, you have the fatal four way tomorrow night for, you know, whoever's going to face the Usos at extreme rules. I mean, Roman still doesn't have, you know, any sort of next level challenger. I mean, yeah, theories in the background, you know, with the money in the bank case, but who's going to step up and, you know, challenge, you know, damage control for the women's titles? We don't know. We don't. And this goes back to my standalone take on when it comes to, multi, uh, you know, expanding your titles in the women's division. It's not going to work out to the way everybody wants it to unless there's a standalone women's brand. I, when it comes to amounts, I get it raws three hours, and you have five hours of television. But even then, you're still having guys on the roster who are left at the sh- uh, out of the shuffle, not doing anything. You can't satisfy everybody. That that's just the nature of this beast. And if you want to do yeah. it properly, and you want to have women's tag team titles, you want women's IC or television titles like mid card women's titles. I heard that being floated out there. If you want that, you have to have a standalone brand. It's just not going to work with how these TV shows are. It, it, it sucks to say that. I'm not going to be out here saying, oh, only men should be at Raw or SmackDown. But if you want a properly done division with women's tag titles, women's IC titles, women's championships, you need a standalone brand to, sus- to, to supply that. I, I think to me, kind of going off of your point a little bit, I think one of the greatest uh, missteps that WWE ever did was they did not develop from their mixed match challenges and make a mixed, you know, a, a mixed tag team championship belt. I mean, you had great stories and great competitors in those two tournaments 
And what happened? They they basically they donated the charity of you know the winners. I mean, obviously anybody who won the the charities were going to get money anyway. But I think to me, you would have better chance with a mixed tag team championship in WWE than just women's tag team championships. Right. Right. Um, this is a different question here for Mike. I'm going to get your thoughts on this too. Um, speaking of expanding to bigger venues, what is your favorite open air stadium in the U.S.? I don't have a favorite open air. I'll tell you my least favorite one. The goddamn Citrus Bowl. Camping dump, dumping world stadium that goddamn pigsty I was there for for WrestleMania 33. By the way, right after the whole thing with the Undertaker was going on, you know, I'm all emotional. Shit. I'm like, oh my god, I, I I really thought that 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 was him gonna retire. I'm emotional. I see my freaking favorite wrestler retire. He's putting the shit in the ring. I go outside, not even five minutes. Walk out of that damn dump of arena. Didn't have no water. Their bathrooms were a fucking pigsty. And I walk out, and some old guy in his forties came up to me. What's up, son? Uh, you want you want some heroin? I got some right down here. I'm like, what? <laughs> that whole area. Oh my god. Seems a fucking shithole. Wow, so, that'll be my answer to that question. What about you, Pat? Um, to me, um, I think on video, at least seeing the open air, I, I think any sort of event WWE wise that's happened at a baseball stadium, I think is just just bad. I mean, I think. Mania 19 was at Safeco Field in Seattle, and that just that just did not look right at at, at all. I think they've gotten better over the last the course of the last number of years. Yeah. Um, I I do think that saving big events, your SummerSlams, your Royal Rumbles, your Manias for like open air stadiums, I think works in a way, yeah. and I think that um as long as they do it towards the South, like I think Florida is going to be Florida and California and Texas are good early calendar year candidates for shows. I think that Miami and Orlando, I think we're good, good picks for, yeah, I know, I know you're, you're shaking your head. Um, I think are good picks. Um, I think actually the only other one that I didn't think came off well on TV or on pay-per-view was Arizona. I think it was Mania 26. It was when Taker and Michaels yeah. had their That's match. The I just I, play, right? Yes. Cardinals with you. Back um, to your card back to your Cardinals again. <laughs> um well, WrestleMania 18 was in uh, the Sky Dome. That's where the yes, was it was it now the Rogers Center, something like that. Yes, uh, I think it's the Rogers Center. Um, so 18 was there. Um, the, Ast- the Astrodome looks pretty good, honestly, for 17. That looked really good. The Astrodome. Yeah, yeah. That's the I think one. they're going. Are, aren't they going back there soon? For another one, it's, it's, it, no, they do. They're, they're going to the Alamo Dome for one okay. Yeah, that one big ass walkway <laughs> to Goldberg, like twelve minutes to get to yeah. the 
<laughs> they had to bring out the WrestleMania. Where is what one? Uh, what was the stadium that Little Nate took like five minutes running to the ring? Yeah, was that, that was Alamo Dome. No, that was the Citrus Bowl. That was the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> uh, WrestleMania twenty four. By the way, Adam was at that uh, WrestleMania. I remember him telling me that he, he went to that one. Um, underrated WrestleMania, by the way. I, I, that, was, that was a good one. Uh, trying to remember. The, yeah, Triple H, John Cena, Randy Orton, Edge, and Undertaker was the main event. Punk won his first uh, Money in the Bank uh, briefcase. Yeah. That, that was a good show. Um, all right, let's go to the next question here. He says, how can the Chicago Bears deal with Soldier Field getting flooded and having standing water on the field? Uh, your 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 guess is good as mine because I I've been preaching to the choir to remove the Bears from the freaking Jimmy Neutron ship, as I like to refer it as Soldier Field. It's time to go to Arlington Heights, put a dome, put whatever you want. But the, Pat, the charter franchise of the NFL don't own their own fucking stadium. Literally, the Park District owns Soldier Field. They own the landmark. They own the shitty field that we always have every year. <laughs> it's they gotta they gotta do something about it, man. I mean, it's you know it, it's ridiculous that a field like that hasn't gotten quality upgrades in forever and a day. I mean, mm-hmm. the only the only other thing they can do is go do what the the Vikings did when you know the the dome collapsed and just go to, you know, a college field for a number of games. Yeah. I, those at Minnesota, I remember that the university of Minnesota, they had the games. That was the Blair Walsh, uh, miss kick in the playoffs. You remember that? It's like negative three degrees. Yeah. <laughs> I felt so bad for, I felt so bad for Nate. Cause he's a Vikings fan. I'm sure that's, I'm sure he's cringing as he, as he said, I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> by, by, by the way, going back to football, the Vikings looked uh, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> last week, uh, put a work into, uh, Mr. Cult's personality. I'll get to that uh, a little later on. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> what other sports would you like to see? Get the Nickelodeon slime, like broadcast treatment, like they do with football. God, I have no idea. I guess you could say NBA. I don't. I don't know. Could baseball work? I that was the only other one I was thinking of. I mean, NBA. They have all their kids. I think NBA already has like a kids like side program, but they already have established. I think they already have established stuff like All Star Weekend. I think that they try to like incorporate a play sixty style thing in their their league. I mean, I think. The only other one that works with football would probably be would probably be soccer, right? Right. I think that the fields are the fields are set up for it. I think you would just have to find a way to incorporate graphics on the field somehow. I mean, obviously, with the technology you have these days, you can definitely do it. And I mean, soccer now is becoming more popular. It's getting more, you know, main mainline, you know, viewing and definitely on the NBC networks. Did you watch any of the uh, playoff games with the Nickelodeon features the last couple of years? Or not? I actually, I flipped by it and just to check out what it was. And I, I do have to say it was, it was fun to watch. And to me, I think I even tweeted out that it's better to start 
with children at a younger age so that they can begin to understand the fundamentals and maybe start to get an interest in the game. And that's, I think, what sports needs nowadays is that they want to groom the next generation of fan. You have to, as much as it pains me to say, you have to start them young. And right. I think with, you know, established Nickelodeon, you know, it's a, it's a kid's channel. You have the characters that they can, you know, relate to or listen to that they know already that, you know, you, you, you bring them in, you, you, I don't want to say dumb it down, but you put it at a level there they can comprehend. Right. You know, when I was thinking about the Nickelodeon stuff, um, I remember the Bears were playing the Saints. That was Mitch's last game. Uh, with the Bears, and they had the whole MVP thing. I, I like the concept. They had, you know, it's crazy. They had Iron Eagle's uh, son. Call yes, him. he is. He, I have to say, he is definitely has a lot of the. Um, he picked up a lot from his father, and and I, honestly, I think he's a really good play-by-play caller. I'm excited for his future. His dad is. Oh yeah, absolutely. He. he Iron Eagle's the man. Uh, I didn't enjoy a lot of the broadcast with Dan Fouts because Fouts didn't bring shit to the table, but Iron Eagle brings a lot of good energy to the game. So, um, yes, so good genes in that family, if you will. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to the uh, next question here for Mike. We got a couple more. We'll get to uh, this week in WWE. Um, what is your favorite Halloween candy or fall seasonal product to enjoy? Pat, I'll start with you. Uh, wow. Um, I can tell you one that is not, and that's candy corn. I am anti candy corn. Yeah. Um, to me, I would have to say probably the Reese's pumpkins, the Reese's peanut butter cups in the shape of pumpkins. I definitely, anything that is like Reese's peanut butter cup, that's in like an alternate shape for the holidays. I'm, I'm all about it. Whether it be hearts for Valentine's day, trees for Christmas, pumpkins for Halloween, I am all for it. I was going to go with Reese's, but I'll go with a different answer here since it's good radio. <laughs> you know, <laughs> got to have different answers, right? Um, I'm going to go with Swedish fish. Oh. That's mine. Yeah. I've, it, I've had it, Swedish fish, and I have not had good experiences. I know it's different taste buds for everybody. My, mine's different for everybody. Like, for me, I either go with Swedish fish or Dots. Those are my two Okay. Things. Yeah. By the way, dots rated. No, I can. I can definitely respect dots. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, it reminds me when I was a kid. Uh, they they had big dipping dots machine at the Allstate Arena when I used to go to WWE shows. They had dipping dots, and then they had dots as an extra side candy. It was like a combo thing. I was like, dots on dots on dots. That's on top of that. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's go to the next question here. Um, last one for Mikey says, what should be WWE's next big indie signing or athlete to join a company beyond the NIL or NXT market? That's an interesting question. Um, I say go give a shot to uh, Jake something. Who's a pretty good and talented guy that used to be on impact wrestling. I say, give him a shot. Um, Jake something's very good as far as indie performance that I know. No to Mance Warner. No to that fucking pizza guy, whatever he was doing last night on TV. Um, 
<laughs> I, th- those are the only ones off the top of my head that I can go with right now. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head. Um, unfortunately, I don't follow the Indies as much as I probably should to answer this question wholeheartedly, but uh, the, the, pizza, the pizza guy would be funny, but... Um, yeah, I can't really, I can't really give an answer because I don't know enough about the indie scene, unfortunately. I'm sorry, folks. I'm not a GCW fan. That's the last thing you'll ever see me transcribe. I, I, just, I just can't do it. I, I wasn't a fan of CZW. You ain't gonna make me watch GCW. <laughs> no shot. Um, last three questions for the podcast this week. I want to thank everybody for participating. It's been an extensive one, but I appreciate the questions this week. Uh, comes from Nate the Great. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Psycho Nagiri. He says, are there any changes you'd like to see out of what looks like to be a rebranding for NXT? Uh, Pat, I'll go with you. Uh, to me, if we can get back to a little bit of the quality of the black and gold era as far as like storytelling and matches go and kind of get back to what made NXT so great in the first place, that yeah. that to me is is what I'm I'm looking for, and I think with uh, Shawn Michaels in charge, and you know Triple H, you know throwing his uh, two cents in probably here and there. I mean, if Shawn's going to be in charge of NXT, I mean Triple H obviously trusts him probably more than anybody else, yeah. and with the two of them working together for so long, I think that they both know what it's going to take to get um, NXT back to what everybody was, you know, getting hyped for it and selling out the shows and and whatnot be, before um, big weekends. That's, that's to me, what I'm looking for. You know what? For me, it's two things. One, we need a break for pitcher and pitcher. Uh, I, I, I need a break for pitcher and pitcher. Um, yeah, I appreciate that I can type out the full match as it is, but at the same time, as a viewer, if I'm not, like, working – Picture in picture does not make me want to stay and watch your show. For me personally, I agree. And then, I, sec- and then that's second- something that I'll chime in on. Uh, you know what the hell is wrong with AEW in a minute? Yes. <laughs> Secondly, for me is uh, I think there was too many backstage vignettes and stuff with XE 2.0 where it was kind of hard at times for me to format the show where it's like we have four backstage segments to get to the next match, three the next following the other match. It's like I get you want to get everybody on the show, but it was like ADD overload <laughs> at times with the formatting of the show. So if you do less of the picture picture and the the 15 backstage segments for a two-hour show, uh, I think it'll be off to a better foot. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they need to take what makes Raw and SmackDown so good. And again, getting back to the original NXT format, I think that's what really worked. And I think when Triple H lost his creative control of NXT in the beginning – before it got rebranded, I think that's what they need to get back to to, you know, find out what works. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else Nate had here for questions. Uh, 
does Roderick Strong ever hit the main roster? Um, I'm going to say no. I, I thought the only scenario for him that he would be on the main roster if, if Undisputed Era was still around. So I'm going to say no. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, unfortunately, with him staying with WWE and not following the other members of you know Undisputed Era slash Undisputed Elite over to AEW, I think that he's going to be probably just treading water in NXT, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, the last question here for the Q&A this week for Nate, he says, um, if the Usos were to win the NXT Tag Team titles, what would you think of that? Um, I don't see that happening unless they want to make a shot towards FTR, and I don't think that's really their idea or intentions right now. So I don't see that being the scenario, but I can understand why you asked that question. <laughs> yeah, I I just think that they, they're good with just having the Raw and SmackDown titles. I don't think we need to kind of – I'm, I'm going to use the word pollute. Um, I don't think we need to pollute, you know, the NXT landscape with, you know, main roster stuff. I think that just gets really convoluted because then why won't we just have, you know – Roman come down and just challenge, you know, Braun for the NXT title. That that would just be ridiculous in itself. Right. All the titles, damn it. You could be like Thanos. Get all of it. Nobody's safe. Yeah, like like fine, I'll do it myself, you know? Yeah, exactly. Roman is kind of Thanos in the way if you look at it. But um uh let's see. Um uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for all the questions we got. I want to thank Obviously, we got our co-hosts here. He said some awesome questions. We had Mike, Nate, and Chris. Some awesome questions this week. As always, if you want to participate in the back porch Q&A session, all you have to do is hit us up at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. All right, Pat. Um, we're not going to spend too much time in this week in WWE because we got to get to what the hell's wrong with AEW. But um, um, we'll... Kind of the fun part here when I do with this week in WWE is we kind of go over kind of the stuff that may go over people's heads a little bit and talk about the context points of where things are going on with programming. So I want to go back to SmackDown really quick for this past week. By the way, I want to give a shout out to that Seattle crowd because that crowd for last week's SmackDown was fantastic. They were popping for almost everything on the goddamn show. <laughs> um, They're making but, a name for a name for themselves for, you know, one of the hotter crowds in the country. Right. Um, I just want to get your thoughts really quick. Uh, what, what, what was your takeaways, good or bad, from uh, SmackDown uh, this past Friday night? Um, I think just overall it was good. I mean, I, I think that, you know, Drew fighting, you know, Solo Sokoa, I think, I mean, obviously that had to happen. You had to have that, you know, continuation from um, Clash of the Castle. I think that Karrion Cross coming in and, and getting Drew at the end of the show, I think now that sets up the storyline between the two of them. I think that, you know, Cross, I, right here, I think that could be your, your main event for Extreme Rules. I think if you're not going to have a multi-man, you know, number one contender spot for who, whoever faces Roman, because I I do believe Roman's not going to be on the card for Extreme Rules. Nope. Um, so I could see an Extreme Rules match between Drew and Cross for whoever faces uh, Roman next, whenever that happens. Um, 
other than that, I think it was good. I, I think the, the six-man tag between Imperium and Brawling Brutes was an amazing way to kick off the show. Um, give me that, you know, all day long. I mean, give me a, a best of a best of five series with the six of them. I mean, geez, I, yeah. I would love to see another Sheamus Gunther like match. I mean, give me that at Extreme Rules, and just give me a give me an, a thirty minute Iron Man match with the two of them. I, I think the word barn burner would be underselling. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a that's a actually to to your point. How about a bar burner? <laughs> a barnstormer. Uh, there's not enough adjectives to describe um, how good that match was at Clash of the Castle or the one on Friday Like again, it's very rare for me to like a trios match because I see them on almost every goddamn wrestling show even if it's not WWE related Uh, but when you have a trios match where it doesn't make the referee look stupid you get more brownie points <laughs> from my end, but I agree with you, man. That that match was pretty dope. Um, really quick for me, for my takeaways, um, I'm I admit, I'm kind of bummed out that Nigel McGinnis is not calling the shows with Michael Cole. I need a break from Corey Graves, and I'm just gonna get to this now. Um, I respect Corey Graves. I have nothing personal towards the dude or whatever. I enjoyed his work a lot since he became a commentator. But recently, it's becoming overly, overly obnoxious and not in a good way where it's taken away from the show. At times, I can't tell who the play-by-play guy is on Raw because Graves has to chime in with something every three seconds as the match is going on. The you know the thing with him and Saxon was funny at first, but it's overstated. It's welcome with their constant bickering with each other. It's, it's not a good look. I I I get it. The whole JBL stick and being the snarky heel contest stuff, but it's not good. I was I was about to say that the two people that I would have preferred to be in that spot, other than Corey, you know, besides Corey Graves. JBL, but I mean, there's going to be you know back work, you know backstage work with him and and Corbin. Yeah. What about Lawler? I mean, you're telling me they can't pull Lawler out for a couple months to just sit in there next to Cole? I mean, he's already established. Um, Not after this week, what he had to say towards Bianca Belair. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's Jerry. You need to get your head out of your ass, man. I don't know what you were going for there. That's just that. That was just an ignorant ass comment. Uh, I yeah, I, I understand you have law right there at your feet to still it in. Hell, if you're good, if you're so fit, I know the Bucky Beaver boy is still there. That's like the last rodent that has to go away if you don't want the whole Vince stigma or voodoo, if you will, over the product. Like, we're not wrestling, we're not wrestling. Like, we get it, Kevin Dunn is still there. But if you're so fixated on having this JBL stick on commentary, have the fucking guy do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's you're, telling, you're telling me you can't pull him out for three months while Matt, you know, Pat McAfee's away at you know college game day? Right. And here's the thing. It's not like Grace doesn't have good one-liners and stuff that he says funny on the show, but it's like I, I can't <laughs> – it's so weird. Like on Raw Monday, he's like openly burying Sony Deville while she's he's saying she she needs to be on top of her and she needs to stay her focus. Where she's fucking controlling like eighty percent of the fucking match. 
I find it I find it funny that Corey Graves has gotten more on screen time than Carmella, and that's a shock considering the fact that Carmella is a former, you know, multi time uh, women's champion. And then his stuff with Austin Theory. If you love Austin Theory so much, why aren't you his manager? How about that, pal? <laughs> exactly. This is the part where people forget where people think I only put WWE over and blah 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 blah, and they. Like miss out and stuff. Like oh this. no, the the hate, the hate, <laughs> the hate, you know, the hate gets spread all around. Yes. <laughs> um, really quick, I want to play this for you. Uh, this came from SmackDown this week. I love Chad Gable. He's a master of maximizing TV time. Let's hear a little bit. He'll let's hear a little bit of this. That's because Otis, much like myself, is a superior athlete. You don't know anything about superior athletes. Oh, oh, oh. That's because Seattle is the type of city that couldn't even hold on to their own professional basketball team. <laughs> oh. Tremendous. <laughs> oh my god. Um I, I will say seeing Braun Strowman powerbomb Otis was a nice display of strength. Uh, that had a nice Yeah, that was <laughs> when he was going against Braun, I was like, okay. I was like, I could I could get with this for you know a minute or two. I'm like, that's that's not bad. And then all of a sudden Braun just came back and just like took control. I'm like, and it's gone. Right. <laughs> Um, going back to Raw, we, you know, we talked about Judgment Day earlier, and it was kind of cool when you have shows that bookend parts of the show where you have your, either your cliffhangers or you have something start the show and then close it. I thought that, again, it was a good feature of why they're telling the right story with Judgment Day. You start off the show, they're trying to recruit Riddle after his brouhaha with Seth Rollins, Riddle and Balor had a good match. Uh, the main event was Edge and Dominic, which lets Edge being sent to the Gulags. Anytime you see somebody laid out or stretchered out, or you know how sometimes these brawls go, that's when I say, like, throw, throw the X for them. <laughs> get the referees that are being sent to the Gulags. Just like, get, help help the brother out. <laughs> I feel bad. Yeah, sell it, sell it a little bit more. I, I, I remember this like a couple weeks ago when Drew McIntyre was getting his ass whipped by the bloodline. I'm like, somebody help them. The poor man has a wife. So help them out. <laughs> <Anyway. Yeah. laughs> oh, man. Um, really quick for Raw, other stuff I wanted to pinpoint here. Um, I think out of the two shows, um, I can't really pick out one I thought was better. Um do you have a choice? Um, no, I think you know the last last week's SmackDown and then Raw from this week. I think are good. I, I think the the thing for me was you kind of got a hint that Seth is going to go back on the hunt after Roman, accurate. which yeah. we really need right now, honestly, because we need somebody else besides Drew in the mix against Roman, and I I think that if you're going to have somebody take the WWE championship off of Roman and bring it back to raw because that's where it 
it naturally was right. because the universal title belongs to SmackDown because it has the the blue, you know, backer on the belt right now. I think I, I've read a lot about like how you could get the title off of Roman without him being pinned and or or make him lose, which I, I'm on board with it. Um, cause he's not going to, to, to him to just vacate one of the titles is dumb. It's not in his character profile right now because he is the head of the table. He can, you know, he, he basically controls all of WWE as you know, he'll let you know. I think to me, you definitely need somebody as a strong character type against him from raw. You're not going to have Brock. He's, he's done with Brock pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. The only two people from Raw that I could see it happening right now are Seth and Orton. I could see Orton definitely because the entry angle they read him off TV. I could definitely see that. By the way, if or you... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me throw a third name in there, Cody. But we know that Cody is not cleared yet, and it's September, and the earliest we're probably going to hear from him or get rumblings is going to be you know, the Royal Rumble. Probably. What, what, what if he, like, shows up at Survivor Series and says he's entering the Royal Rumble or something like that? That'd be pretty cool, right? Uh, uh, I think that would be a little premature, but... Yes. Yeah. I, 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 would not, I would not be against it. I'm, I'm perplexed about this because I talked about this with Derek a couple weeks ago, and... I have no doubt that Cody will get a big like pop when he does come back, but I, you know this, and I know this audience too well to be fickle in the way they are. I nothing will surprise me where the fans start turning on Cody towards that road to WrestleMania. Two things are gonna happen, and I love what's been going on with Kevin Owens, but this has been my concern about the Cody comeback, not about Triple H. Not about anything of that. I'm worried about the fickle audience and that they're going to pick somebody like Kevin Owens or somebody else on the roster and be like, oh, they should be the one to be uh, Roman, right? And then here comes Cody. They'll totally forget about what he put his body through and how to sell. And it'd be like, oh, you're shoving Cody down his uh, down his blah, 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 blah. You can see it coming a mile away. The problem I have with that is the fact that I, I love Kevin Owens going against Roman. We've been there. And we've been there at the Royal Rumble. Yes. And I, I really thought that there was going to be times during that last man standing match that they were actually going to take the title off of Roman and give it to Kevin and then have Kevin carried until WrestleMania, and then have him lose it back to Roman at WrestleMania. But Roman, if you want a good Royal Rumble match, him and Randy Orton, one I want to be. Like, yeah, Roman. I could get. I could get with that. For that. I'm telling you, man, that Ray, I can't wait for that Randy Orton pop when he comes back. Oh, man, that's going to be I, Honestly, <laughs> you know, to, to me, I think that you, you have an existing storyline already there with, you know, like you said, with the beatdown from, you know, the Usos to, to Orton. But you also have Riddle losing to Roman, you know, in that match on SmackDown. Yep. So you have you have enough fuel to bring him back and, and to try to get one on for Riddle. 
Mm. You know what that sounds like? Money. Yes, sir. Um, let's let's wrap up this week in WWE with this. I I teased it on Twitter this week. I sometimes here on Hoops Podcast we like to like map out what a match card will look like before the final matches are set for the pay per view. It's kind of a I wouldn't call it ultimately like fantasy booking, but this is like realistic. Joshi is the guy who covers the show every week booking. <laughs> um. So, obviously, we have Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. That was made official this past Friday on SmackDown. Uh, Ronda did mention that she wants to challenge Liv Morgan to Extreme Rules match, so I'm going to keep it as that. The I think one of the Extreme Rules matches will be Liv Morgan against Ronda Rousey. So, we got that out of the way. Now to the tag titles. Ladder match Jones, Street Profits and the Usos. One last time in Philly. I think the Street Profits will win their four-way match on uh, SmackDown tomorrow. They get one more opportunity at the Bloodline and the tag titles. How that goes, if they split, whatever, we'll have to see how that plays out. But I think the Street Profits and Usos will go with each other one more time. Um, Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle. I'm kind of curious to see where they go with this for Raw next week because we haven't had a promo exchange since that crazy ass one we saw before yeah. Class of the Castle. If it was me, and Triple H has done this before in the past with NXT, I would make Seth Rollins and Seth, uh, my bad, Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle an unsanctioned match. Ooh. But you have some angle on Raw or some promo that gets like out of control where you have to get like. Real cops and like, like it has to get like some serious shit. Like Seth Rollins and Riddle. That throws that throws me back to actually Champa and Gargano when they had their unsanctioned match in NXT, where like Triple H came in and basically said, you know, the the ref is just here to count the one, two, three. You guys do whatever you need to do to get this settled. But I I definitely could see something where Pierce calls them like into the back or something and just says, listen, you two, if you two really want to fight, it's going to be unsanctioned. It'll be in the ring and there'll be a ref, but he's just counting the one, two, three, like, like do something like that. I mean, granted Seth doesn't want it, but maybe Riddle gets himself involved in the U S title match and causes the queue where Bobby still retains. Correct. The next match here, I was kind of 50-50 on. I was really torn about this because, you know, Bailey talked about this, like, trying to play mind games with Bianca. You can see the Ryan Wall that they are going to have a program with each other, but she said that she could come after Bianca any time she wants. So I don't know necessarily if those two are going to be the one-on-one match. So I kind of have it tossed to the side. If, they ha- if that match happens, fine. I'll keep it as that. But for me... I think you may get a number one contenders match on Monday. And I think Bianca will fight Alexa Bliss. This is not going to be a gimmick match, but Bianca will fight either Asuka or Alexa Bliss at uh, Extreme Rules. That will be your one women's title match there, okay? Um, kind of like a one, just like a one-off to get Bianca to Bailey or? 
Possibly. Um, like I said, she wouldn't say, oh, she could come after Bianca anytime she wants if there wasn't an angle to go with that direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, it would have been announced already that those two were going to fight each other at the pay-per-view. So, um, that's four. Now, this is the thing with the Triple H era, Pat. Like, you're not going to have nine match cards. <laughs> I don't think you're No, gonna... I mean, I, I, outside <laughs> of, like, a major, like, SummerSlam or WrestleMania, you're not going to have these big, humongous matches. I mean, I, I hope that you have like one or two kind of meaningful matches on a kickoff, but I think the days of having like three matches on a kickoff are, are gone. You're only going to have like one or two. I, I'd really like just having one match on a kickoff. I mean, to even have, I mean, a, a contender spot match on a kickoff, and then you go on to the main card, and then that person fights for the championship is I mean I I don't see how far away are we from extreme rules are we still like what two weeks out yes yes so I could I could honestly see another like six man match with you know brawling brutes and imperium on the card I think that that's another match you could have that that would sell hmm is that a Philly street fight? Oh, that's that's definitely a Philly like Philly bar special or something. Let's shot that down, my man. <laughs> We're as we do the book session, you got that down. Yes. <laughs> I um, I don't see Lashley defending the US title. I don't I think you need that. Um, I see, you know, like you said, Rollins and Rollins and Riddle unsanctioned. <laughs> I see Cross to, to my point earlier, I think Cross and McIntyre for number That'd one contenders. So yeah, I think number one contenders like either submission or extreme rules or something. All right, well, let's go down this list then. Okay. We got Liv and Ronda Extreme Rules for the SmackDown women's title. I mentioned the ladder match, the Street Profits and the Usos. Yeah. Uh, Bianca against Alexa Bliss. Uh, we have the Philly Street Fight uh, trios match. Um, Dexter Loomis against The Miz. Uh, throw that in there. Um, I think it would be something along the lines of Dexter Loomis against Champa. I don't I think, think he that. gets. I don't think he gets to Miz just yet. I think there's still another bunch of mind games that have to happen, or. Maybe Champa fights Dexter Loomis on Raw, and then the stipulation is if Loomis wins, he gets a match against the Miz, like Steel Cage or something. Right. Well, here's the thing: we we need an update because this motherfucker like stormed in this house. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny how they played it out, but we need an update or something. Wow. The the way that they're they're doing this storyline is is amazing. And the other thing too: what about um, Indy Hartwell, does she come up? Uh, not yet. Okay, I, soon, but not not anytime soon. Because uh, I think she's the only one that could, could possibly control. She could him yes. for it at some point in time. Hey, the good lasting waterfall has controlling powers. Not every waterfall can control you. Um, and then uh, the last two I had was uh, Cross and McIntyre, and then. I changed my mind. I would have Riddle, Riddle and Rollins as the main event uh, on sanction match. That's how I would uh, close out the show. That's what I would do. But, okay, I can understand that. 
So there you go. This little bookie session with uh, Joshi and Pat. So I <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed that. That is what happened this week in WWE. Now it's time for the main event. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to give the people what they want, what they need, what they salvate for. Another restaurant quality edition, as uh, JR says, of what the hell is wrong with AEW. We're going to start this bad boy off with Brother Carter via satellite this week in a three, a two, a one. Beat your meat. Beat, beat your meat. 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 I'm telling you, my time is right now. Right this minute, 2022. We're living in my time is now. My time is right. God damn now. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? You know. We're at the point now, AEW is probably at the lowest it's ever been since it became a promotion. And we discussed this all last week with the media scrum and, and all that stuff going on with the company. So it's, it's, it's terrible. But we thought we would see what would happen when we came out where, you know, with this week's show and how AEW would respond. And I have to say, there were some, I actually didn't mind, for the most part, the wrestling on this show this week. But there was still a lot of crap, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. I do want to talk about some things that I enjoyed this week. Of course, MJF cuts another great promo, dropping some truths. The only thing I worry about MJF is, you know, he's going to try to, you know, rile up any crowd for any city that he goes to, and that's fine. But the crowd is still going to cheer the hell out of him no matter what. That's just how MJF, even if MJF insults them, I have a feeling, you know, they're still going to cheer him anyway. Like, he could insult them all and he'll still cheer and all that kind of good stuff. But that's just how good MJF is and how over he is. He might be, he's obviously the most over person in all of AEW, but one of the most over people in all of wrestling. So, great stuff. But then he segues into Stokely Hathaway. And I have to admit, I actually didn't mind this Stokely Hathaway promo. Now, I think he has one of the most annoying voices in the entire world, and I can't take him seriously. But if you just get to the actual meat of the promo, I actually thought it was a good promo. If it wasn't for the incoherence and inconsistency in AEW's storytelling, I actually might be intrigued by this group and what they're going for. Going for a lot of these mid-card titles to start off. Fine. But so, I uh, will see where this goes. They're called The Firm. Fine. Uh, I just, we'll see where it goes. But again, I think the inconsistency in the storytelling is going to destroy this group before it even gets off the ground. Jungle Boy beats Jay Lethal. I thought a good match on, uh, a really good match here. I really enjoyed that. Good stuff from Jungle Boy and Jay Lethal, of course. Decent match with Swerve in Our Glory and the Lucha Brothers. I thought Keith Lee taking a Destroyer was a cool spot. But Swerve is actually falling quite quickly in my books. And he just, his entrance came out and was kind of meh for me. But, um... 
But overall, good match, uh, and I enjoyed this very much. All right, let's get into the crap, and as always, boy, was there a lot of crap. Ty Mello gave the absolute worst low blow I've ever seen. It was terrible. It looked like she missed, and then Moxley was forced to sell it. Like, what the hell was that? Um, besides the female interference, I actually didn't mind the match with Moxley and Guevara, to be to be honest with you. I thought it was okay. But Anna Jay and Ty Mello are worthless. They're, they're, I, I, they're, they annoy me and not in a good way. They need to go home and stay home. I've had enough of them. I know Josh appreciates the waterfall game uh, with Anna Jay, but I think they're both useless and they can go home and stay there. Why does Moxley feel like he has to say three fucking times every other sentence when talking about the AEW World Championship? It's ridiculous. Why is AEW putting Hook, again, an over-talent, with this random trainer dude? And why should we care? He's been used so randomly, I have no reason to care about their match next week at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Okay, getting into uh, Rampage. Apparently, we're getting these random matches with Danhausen and Ethan Page for some reason. Though I hope Dan, I hope Ethan Page beats Danhausen in 15 seconds. And then Matt Hardy, for some reason, is charging, d- challenging Darby Allen. The hell? How does that make any sense? Oh wait, it doesn't. It was terrible. And I don't want to see either of those. It's awful. Squish, squash match for Hobbs, yawn on that one. But then Ricky Stocks comes out, which is means he's not hurt, which is great. I'm happy about that. I love Ricky Starks. I think he's one of AEW's top talents. However, he's not hurt, which means that their match at All Out was terrible and was booked horribly. One of their best feuds going into the show, and that's how they ended it. But yeah, Booker of the Year, pal. <sighs> I laughed when Tad says, if you're a new viewer to AEW, <laughs> they don't have any new viewers. They just have people who tune in and sheep and pawns who pour their money into this useless company. Orange Cassidy gave the most uninspiring backstage segment ever. He just goes up, punches Pack in the mouth. Pack sells because he's a professional. He's fantastic. Um, and then he just picks up and says something. I don't even remember what it was, but it was terrible. Pockets, Orange Cassidy is a complete joke. Uh, and uh, But, of course, he's going to get pushed to the moon because Tony Clown thinks that this guy is actually talented. Uh, are we supposed to take him seriously against Pac? I certainly don't. I think Pac's one of the top superstars they got. If it leads to him competing for the world title, fine. But I just can't see him as a credible world champion at all. Speaking of not credible champions, Tony Storm does not feel like a champion at all. She, there's nothing about her presentation that screams, I can lead this women's division. But, of course, there isn't really much of a women's division to lead because their best person, Jade Cargill, is an afterthought, which is, a, again, a, a, a testament to the horrendous booking and direction that this company has. We get another boring women's match, and now the four of them will be having a fatal four-way next week for the title. Woohoo! And then we get to the main event. Jericho is apparently the wizard this week, whatever. It was kind of a meh match with him and Danielson. I was indifferent to it. But of course, and you knew this going into the show. We knew this going into the tournament. It was going to be Danielson Danielson versus Moxley next week. Duh. And now we get Blackpool Combat Club versus Blackpool Combat Club. And I'm supposed to care for some reason. Um, Yeah, so again, this, this episode of Dynamite was better than most. But it still wasn't good. And it gives me absolutely no reason to care about Arthur Ashe Stadium next week. There's only one match I care about next week, and that's going to be the acclaimed when they win the World Tag Team titles. That pop is going to be cool, and I'm looking forward to that. 
But the rest of that is rest of it's going to be terrible. This week's rampage is going to be terrible. The following week's rampage is going to be terrible because this company is terrible. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Thank you, Brother Carter. As always, appreciate your submission for the podcast this week. As always, don't forget, you can hear Brother Carter in a little bit for uh, the thoughts of Derrico this week. So, Hopefully, I don't make the list. Hey, you never know. Exactly. <laughs> are, you, are you on the list? I, I don't – I hope not. <laughs> hey, you never saying know. I'm saying I'm not him coming on the show, though. I might uh... – him reading that caption might put you on the list. Exactly. <laughs> and director of operations always has P's and Q's. Let's not forget that. <laughs> All right. What the hell is wrong with AW? AKA, what isn't wrong with AW? This is Pat's first venture into our main event segment. And so it's cool and interesting to get uh, different opinions, if you will, uh, in this segment. Uh, I talked about on Twitter this week. We are looking to um, expand. Uh, this segment going forward. Uh, if you have like a rant, if you want to do on AEW, it could be like a minute long or 90 seconds. If you want to share your thoughts on anything stupid that comes out of Tony Khan's mouth, uh, busted open or a dumb tweet that he puts on, this could go many different avenues. I want to expand what the segment could be, but again, this segment is not about all hating AEW for the entire bit. Uh, this segment here is to speak talk about what we like, but also remind people that think that they do absolutely nothing wrong that they are full of shit. <laughs> so that is the gist of this segment. Uh, I'm very proud of the feedback we get for this segment uh, because, uh, yeah, it's a bit, but there's nothing contrived for my opinions or Brett Carter when it comes to this bit. We're not forcing rants. We're not doing this and that. And this week is going to be more tame than I was last week uh, because last week uh, was just a complete clusterfuck of what that promotion was with the scrum, all the CM Punk drama, everything in between. Oh, wait, by the way, since I mentioned CM Punk, um, NBC, I'm going to need you to do me a favor and stop playing that goddamn commercial of Aaron Rodgers with cult of personality, you freaking asshole. There it is. There it is. I was waiting for it. <laughs> you schmucks put this in the middle of Monday Night Raw and knowing how torturous it is for Bears fans to watch them play the Packers in Green Bay on Sunday Night Football. So what you do, I'm here by wanting a break from my favorite wrestler because he continues to conduct himself in a jackass manner. I need a break from C-Bucks. So what you do, you throw fucking cults of personality in my face with Aaron Rodgers! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you know what? I don't, I don't blame you. They're both fitting. They're both full of their own shit. I wouldn't be surprised if Punk is no longer straight edge. I, I, I can see where they're going with that. But still, come on, man. Pray for me, Pat. 
I want some sanity in my life, but no, we're gonna have cults of personality with Aaron Rodgers and his ayahuasca and his fucking hippie nonsense. Just, just I hate to say this, but just wait until Sunday night's game and see what's let's see what they they play then. Yeah, I gotta hear Chris Collinsworth go over the sixty million failed quarterbacks we had with the Chicago. No, Bears. Collinsworth. Collinsworth isn't is Collinsworth on Sunday Night Football anymore? I thought he was. I thought he moved off of NBC. No, Al Michaels moved off. It's uh, oh okay. Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. Oh, that's right. That's right. Tirico's the play-by-play guy on Sunday Night Football now. By the way, I can't even watch Thursday Night Football. I'm not. Buying Amazon trying to watch football. <laughs> that's listen. That's going to be their biggest. That's going to be NFL's biggest gamble. I mean, I I said it on the the preview show. I think the only other way you get around that is if local TV stations simulcast it. You would. Have, I know. Who the hell wants to buy to watch the Commanders against the Bears? Like, come on. Damn you, NFL! You really trying to get. Grind my gears. I, I mean, again, to, to my point that I, I made on the preview show, I think the, the the goings were that a lot of people with Amazon have Prime already, so they have access to Prime Video. So why don't we, you know, put a game a week on there and, and see what happens? So, right. I mean, that's that's my thought process with it. So, All right, Pat. It's time to get into some business here. Okay, this is your first time to this segment. I know you're not a frequent, avid watcher of all of the wrestling. I I'm not. I have two questions for you. Okay. One, what is your thoughts about our segment? And two, what is your general outlook on AW as a whole? Um, I think that you and you know the director of operations, I think, do an amazing fucking job with this segment i think it's one of the best things on this you know podcast every week so you know kudos to you for you guys doing that um i think all elite wrestling in the beginning when it first came out was a great idea on paper however uh now i think it has been so watered down by former wwe guys that i think it's just a shell of where it should be right now um i i do find some high points uh well a couple of of good points i shouldn't say i shouldn't say high points but i think to me it's amazing that a lot of these former wwe guys come over and all they seem to do is get on the mic and trash WWE. That's like all they do. Yeah. Um, I, I watched Dynamite last night, and to me, I was like, okay, this is tolerable, but there's definitely a few things that I don't really get. Um, to, to me, I understand the, the whole, like, you have to crown a new world champion. I, I get the fact that you had to take the belt off Punk because of all the you know, his injury, drama, whatever, you know, however Tony Khan wants to spin it, I get it. You need a new champion. The six-man tournament format was uh, suspect at best. Um, I, I don't get why you wouldn't put more contenders in there to even fight for a spot. Um, 
Jericho and Moxley getting buys into the second round was suspect in and of itself. Yeah. Um, I think that the match between, you know, Jericho and Danielson last night was all right. I think that for what, I mean, for what it was, um, we knew Moxley was going to win. I mean, he was, Moxley was going to be in the finals no, no matter what. And honestly, I, I would be very surprised if you didn't have some sort of storyline going here with the combat club with whoever wins the title. I think the uh, the combat club either turns on the winner or the loser gets kicked out of the combat club, whoever it is. I, I don't think there's a way you come out of next week's um, TV purview, we'll call it, yeah, um, without some sort of lingering shenanigans with all of them. Whether you know they they Regal and you know Claudio get in the ring and they just take out whoever the loser is or what something something has to happen now and. I don't know if that was the plan from the get-go or if this is like a in-case-of-emergency-break-glass type of situation. But that right there is just leading me to think that something and, – and again, I don't watch AEW on a frequent enough basis to know all the storylines. I, I have the general consensus that you know Regal is the, the mouthpiece of the combat club and you have the, the members – you know. You have Claudio, you have Brian Danielson, you have John Moxley. They're all together. They all fight. They're all ready for that. But to me, there is something there. There's either going to be, they're going to tease tension. There, there's going to be something there that has to be there. There's never been something along the lines where you have two members of a faction fight for a championship and there's not something coming out of it that, is lingering or left over. There, there just can't be something cut and dry about this. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to lose count how many fucking factions that's in this company at this. Point. Oh, it's ridiculous right now. I mean, I, I, and then you have the firm like officially announced last night as MGF's like you know, not you know, handyman slash not handyman like. Yeah. Okay. Really quick on that. And I give credit where credit's due. I'm glad that they gave a purpose of what this group was because the whole reveal of them coming out being the reason why he got the stupid poker chip in the first place is kind of like their quasi money the bank deal. Yeah, that's I was like, okay, so that's like that's a future title match. I'm like, okay, that's their their version of the money in the bank, you know, briefcase. No, get me wrong. I, I like the, that they explained their purpose behind the group, and I like the song that they came out to. I thought that was fine. But again, is this group going to be around in two months? Or anybody give a fuck in two, three months of what no. they're doing? Exactly. And how Forget many... two months. How about two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> Brother Carter told me that last night, too. It's like, <laughs> who's going to care in two weeks? And again, how many goddamn heel factions do you need in one company? Like I'm losing, like I, seriously, I'm losing count on this shit. It's ridiculous. All right, let's let's track back because uh, I want to span on a couple of these you mentioned. There. First off, uh, the title tournament, predictable Jones. <laughs> yeah, 
Anybody and their mother could tell you that Brian Danielson, my bad, Karen Danielson, and John Moxley were going to fight each other at uh, Grand Slam. I don't care that the show is at Arthur Ashe Stadium. I think it's kind of dumb that we're having this stadium show two weeks out of your WrestleMania, but that's neither here or there. Um, (laughs) For me, nothing they did last night made me more enticed to watch that show next week. I'm just being honest. And don't get me wrong. I, I like the match with Brian and Chris Jericho like I did at All Out. I'll be consistent with that. But again, when you watch, think about this. As you were watching all the matches from yesterday, all of them look the fucking same. All of them. How many? It, it's hard to differentiate one match or another when every match has three or four chop exchanges, slapping dies, throwing shitty forearms and punches that either look like they're not landing at all. It's hard for me to pinpoint what's good on the show when every match looks the same. <laughs> Outside of um, Sammy Guevara's match with John Moxley that kicked off the show because he had the waterfall distraction, all the matches look the same. <laughs> Like, and maybe besides Farhouse Hobbs squash match, no problem there, no complaints. I'm man, I'm, I, that's part of wrestling. I have no issue with that. But again, I, I saw Brooke Hardis yesterday. So yeah, we have Moxley and Danielson in the finals. One, you're already making MGS MGS point about Tony Khan relying on former WWE talents. But again, that's not a good perception. I don't care that it's following through with their storyline. You are showcasing your hand that you are a knockoff TNA. This that's what all this is. And I'm sorry, I seen Daniel Bryan against Dean Ambrose a hundred fucking times. I know what that match looks like. And again, we're gonna do this fucking hot potato. John Moxley champion this week. CM Punk's the champion that week. John Moxley again. CM Punk. Oh, we're gonna put it on Brian Danson. And Jeff comes in with the poker chip. The title doesn't mean shit when you're fit flopping it around every three to four weeks. The only how, yeah. the, how's this the most perceived prestigious prize in the business, as William Regal said last night? That this title is freaking tossing each other around like girls on OnlyFans. Um, that, that's a great line, by the way. Uh, to me, I, I think the only way that you, as ridiculous as this sounds, I think you have MJF pull a Seth Rollins and he comes in and cashes the poker chip mid-match. And he, he pins one of them. And he, he, you know, he walks out with the title. I think that's the only way he can kind of get him that Tony Khan can kind of get himself out of this mess right now. And I mean, to your point, we are, you know, we're, we're now hot potatoing a heavyweight championship, you know, stop me if you've, you know, we've heard this or seen this somewhere before, but again, Tony Khan needs to get, you know, off of the CM Punk bandwagon in the worst way possible. Because ever since, and I mean, I think, again, to my point about the PWI 500 from, you know, earlier in the show, you know, Punk has Tony Khan to thank for his number three spot. I mean, why, uh, again, I, you know, was really surprised when Punk came back. I, I understand why he came back. But 
the initial reason he came back was to work with younger talent. And I get the fact that, you know, sooner or later he was going to win the heavyweight title. But again, he took it off of, you know, Adam Page and then Moxley, you know, ended up with it. And then again, Moxley had it and then Punk had it. And then, you know, what are we going to do now? We're going to put it back on Moxley again? I think the only way out of this situation is, like I said, MJF runs in middle of the match, you know, brings a poker chip with him, you know, gives it to the ref. The ref says, okay, it's now a triple threat. And I mean, Tony Khan does his own version of, you know, the, the greatest cash in ever. That's the only, that to me is the only logical way out of this. I, I hate saying this because MGF is like one of my favorite performers from AW and we Oh, get... let him let him talk all all day long. I mean, my God, is is he good on the mic? Yeah, he's tremendous. But again, I hate saying this because nobody else will say it. Even when he came back, like everybody, you know, all the drama to the side with the CM Punk and the Elite and blah 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 blah. Everybody's like pulling cart on Twitter about how things can get rectified as bringing MGF back and he's going to be the savior and his save the day for AW. Nobody else is going to say. It. I'm going to say it right now. MGF since he's come back feels like everybody else on the show. Yeah, he's doing the best stuff. He's cutting good promos. Was it really groundbreaking? Is it really? shifting the tides of anything it really reminds me of kevin owens in a way because the, the way he speaks it's the fact that he'll get in the ring he'll he'll talk all nice and normal and then something will ting him off and then he'll start yelling at the crowd and then he'll start yelling at the camera to get his point across it really reminds me of kevin owens in a way yeah i love him jeff he, he's one of the few pieces of the show this promotion that i actually enjoy but it's like there's no added buzz that's coming out of this <laughs> that people thought. And I feel bad for him in a way that, you know, his big return got, like, shitted on over all this melee and stuff at the scrum. But they have they they have themselves to blame. I, I can't say that enough. Oh, absolutely. And they continue to write this segment for us. If, if I could get to the point where we could make this segment like it is what we just did with WWE and we're talking about just to show for what it was and et cetera, et cetera, and go out with our business. I would love that. I want AEW to succeed, but they get in their own way. By the way, for example, they had this vignette with Darby Allen, um, right? And the one of the worst people in AEW is not tied up loose ends. And I know we can talk about WWE and when it comes to their loose ends and stuff like that, but we're just talking strictly about AEW here. They have a vignette, and you see Swerve Scott at, towards the end of that scene. By the way, are we supposed to boo Swerve Scott now? <laughs> he cuts off the acclaim last week. He's feeding into the boozer and his entrance before they got to the match with the Lucha Brothers. I'm like, where's the fucking continuity? Like, yeah, Swerve here hanging out with a baby face, and now he's supposed to be like a passive-aggressive heel on the show. Like, I... What are we by, here? Speaking of Swerve Squad, by the way, you know, great, great, you know, television to have, you know, three straight weeks where you're defending a tag team championship against three, against, you know, three different teams. 
Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna lose it next week. I was yeah. about to say. I was about to say you're gonna. You want to talk about hot potatoing a title? Yeah. Hey, I I I I like the match a little bit for what it was more on the Lucha Brothers side, but that's another show for another time. Talk yeah. about how they've been booked on the AEW, but that that destroyer on Keith Lee was pretty impressive. I guess that say. was that was one of the highlights of that match, definitely. Yeah, I was like, whoa, he actually pulled that off. And I'm 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 willing to give. Benefit down and change my opinions on certain performers. Like I was not into the acclaim when they first showed up. I, <laughs> I was not a fan of them. Now I am. I enjoyed the work. Like I can give credit credits too. But it's like people would be fucking ripping something on WWE if that happened. Where oh, you're meshing a bay face with a heel, and then we're supposed to remind ourselves that that guy is supposed to be a heel. And we're supposed to boom. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? And then <laughs> they can't help themselves. They always got to bring these fucking court gestures, as Ethan Page said in his backstage interview with Alice Marvest. So we have Ethan Page against Dan Clanson on Rampage on Friday. <laughs> uh, this is where the fun starts. Okay, let's rattle off this fucking car for Rampage on Friday. Willow Nightingale against Penelope Ford. I'm here for Penelope Ford's waterfall, and that's it. Uh, Matt Hardy against Darby Allen in a Who Gives a Fuck About Me match. Um, Ethan Page against Danhausen. Wow, I'm curious to see how that one goes. And then Samoa Joe against Josh Woods. Who? Who? <laughs> no wonder you guys are averaging 300,000 viewers on Rampage every fucking week. What is this shit? They, they, they can't. No wonder they're on at 10 o'clock at night because they can't compete against SmackDown. That's the problem. <gasps> don't, don't say that. We won, the, we won the Friday Night War. We won the tell Jerry McDevitt, blah, 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 blah. Shut up, you damn Mark. <laughs> you, you won the Friday Night War because SmackDown was on fucking FS1 during the World Series. Yeah. Start patting yourself on the shoulder over that, you damn mark um how about this not only that we got the bane of my wrestling existence we have pack next week defending his all atlantic title against pockets i'm sorry we're three years in and you're still not gonna convince me that this fucking twat is a serious main event guy now i'm supposed to believe because oh by the way isn't orange cassidy a baby face i thought he was so why is he Superman punching Pack in a backstage segment? From behind, by the way. <laughs> hey, this is the promotion that was gonna write all the ills of WWE, right? They they do nothing wrong, they're gonna be on the P- P's and Q's, they're gonna do everything everybody on Twitter bitches about and play to that crowd. How about that? What a shame. A couple other things as we wrap this up here. Like I said, this episode of Dynamite wasn't as insulting as last week was and everything that went into all odd. I was not surprised that John Moxley won. I mentioned here some of the stuff I did enjoy the show. Um, Jungle Boy and Jay Lethal was fine. Um, for for the match it was, I, I didn't have a problem with that. Um Really don't have any interest in seeing Action Bronson in the ring, but that's just me. I like his music, though. Um, 
Excuse me. Um, we talked about the tag match. Let's see what else we forgot. Oh, the women's division. Love to hear your thoughts on this bad boy. I think this is the third. This is the third. So the, the only th- okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is the third straight week where we had some weird clunky finish that either was not supposed to happen or just came off really, really bad and made the performers look unprofessional. And I'll be honest with you, man, this women's division is a clusterfuck right now. <laughs> so I want to hear your thoughts on this. So explain to me, first of all, how next week we get Athena getting a chance at the heavyweight women's title of AEW. I'm sorry, the interim heavyweight title of AEW when she couldn't even get one over on the women's intercontinental champion in Jade Cargill. Please explain that to me because that's, that's just ridiculous in and of itself. And why isn't Jade Cargill given a shot at the, you know, interim women's, you know, world championship. So she can try to be a double champion. Like her whole gimmick is like nobody can beat me, right? Well, Isn't how that you, like her whole thing? How are you gonna have a fucking TBS women's champion if the TBS women's champion is never on the show? Well, that's the, that's the other thing too. It kind of reminds me of the women's tag team championships from WWE. Like, are they really gonna be defended that much? Like, it, it's just you know now the belt is truly a prop. That's basically what it is. But I mean, I I don't understand why like all of a sudden out of nowhere they're like. Oh, whispered in my ear, we now have a you know a four way match for the interim women's world title with you know the the four women that competed in the tag team you know the tag match tonight. And I'm just like, what 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 huh what like what like that that just really was kind of out of nowhere. You know, pardon the pun, but I, I don't get why the three of them. I mean, if you're building this up, it's like, okay, but you're building it up with, like, now less than a week to go. Like, are you just, like, putting everything together kind of like a house of cards almost? Like, I don't really get it. It's so weird, man. It's like, they just did a, Matt, they just did a four-way to crown this interim champion at the pay-per-view. <laughs> and it's like... Uh, I know they want to make like Britt Baker out to be like her AEW's version of Charlotte Flair, but literally every major big event or shows like Red Slam, she's always in the match. And it's not good. <laughs> she throws the shittiest forearms that I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I, I can get where if you have Tony Storm defend, I, I completely forgot who she pinned to win the, the interim belt to begin with, but you could have a. a a rematch there where, you know, who she pins says, you know, okay, you pin me to be in the interim, you know, women's champion, but you know what? I want a one-on-one shot against you without anybody else there that you could at least have a little bit of credibility to, but just to throw together, you know, a four-way match out of, you know, just the four women that were in the tag match. That's a little ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous. And then think about this. You have, the doctor and the professor against the backstage sources. <laughs> if you're in the know, you're in the know. All Sean Ross sources are right there with Ember Moon herself and Tony Storm. Leak out to the dirt sheets. There you are. 
the doctor and the professor against your backstage sources. How about that, pal? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Anything else you'd like to mention here before you wrap up this terrible show? <laughs> um, no, I think I'm, I'm good as far as, you know, what is wrong with AEW. I just think it's uh, just uh, the only other thing that I just want to mention is the fact that every single time they go to a picture in picture break, it always seems like there's a State Farm commercial in there. I get that State Farm sponsors AEW but I don't need it shoved down my throat every single commercial break. I, I get it. I get it. I understand it. But, like, move on. And by the way, if anybody believes that Tony Khan is not in the announcer's ears like Missing Man, uh, I think you're full of shit. He is. <laughs> you hear how oh, he, he better be. He better he, be. Well, you hear how Taz has to prop everything up as the greatest thing ever. Like as if he actually believes that, but um, that's neither here nor there. But on that note, my friends, we just documented another adventure of AW Dynamite. I'm sorry, this Grand Slam show is just there. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Will the tag match be cool? The claim with the title, sure. I'm sure that'll be fine. But everything else in between. The stuff I have seen or two don't give two shits about. So <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of like returning television coming back. I think the next like week. So I think that might be something that you know is is coming through. But in all honesty, I'm going to skip you know Grand Slam and I'll stick to like my returning shows that come on, like Mask Singer and things like that. <laughs> those are those are going to get you know garner more of my attention than AEW will. If, if this wasn't work for me and we had to do the segment, I wouldn't be watching. I'd be watching reruns of How I Met Your Mother. But <laughs> Oh, man. All right, that's a wrap for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW this week. All right, folks, I want to thank you guys so much for hanging us, hang out with us for this week's episode of the Who's Podcast, episode 327, as Road to 500 continues. It's crazy. Like episode three hundred feels like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it feels like I was just getting called out, and I jumped on you know on a whim. <laughs> uh, Pat, my brother, thank you for um, coming on, saying uh, doing a fantastic job. By the way, for yeah, as, as always, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that, um, as I put out on Twitter over the weekend, uh, one of the reasons that I was able to join. Um, Unfortunately, after two and a half years, uh, Mr. Co- Mr. COVID decided to you know take a knock on my door, and unfortunately, uh, I've been in quarantine since. So I was able to you know fortunately join you today and throw in my two cents uh, outside of a uh, you know just a, a tweet or two. So I, I again thank you, Josh, for allowing me to come on. Uh, hopefully, Brother Carter will be you know back in two weeks. You know, not via satellite, but actually on there, and hopefully. I will not have joined the list of Derrico in that time. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Make sure to follow Pat on Twitter and Instagram, by the way, at RatedPWF. Um, you can follow me on Twitter if you like at the Hoots Podcast. <laughs> All right, Mitch and Moore, stop. <laughs> um, we got uh, Brett Carter. You can follow his work at DerrickStock.com. Make sure to do that right now while you can. And, um, Make sure to check out ProWrestlingTransshirts.com. The podcast comes to you free charge every single Thursday and where you're getting podcasts from. For Pat, I'm Joshi. This has been episode 327 
of the Hoots Podcast. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy your football as well this weekend as well. And uh, don't forget, be the authentic product that is yourself. And remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but the man upstairs. Love you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Now, let's toss off to Brother Carter, the real Brother Carter, for this week's edition of the Thoughts of Derrico. Uh, yes, sir. And now, the Thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that's number one in your hearts, even though he's number one via satellite. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. I apologize for having to be via satellite for these next couple weeks, got some stuff going on in the real world, but I'll be back in a few weeks to be back with the brother of all good brothers to break down all the things in professional wrestling, but just thought I'd give a couple quick thoughts in the week of WWE. This will be a short episode of The Thoughts of Derrico. Uh, it's been a busy week in the life of, of uh, Y2D, as I sometimes refer to myself as. Um, but a lot of stuff going on, but that's okay. Uh, I thought I'd give a quick rundown of what I saw in the world of wrestling this week. Just a couple things. Uh, starting with SmackDown. thought it was a really good show. Um, I really liked the Imperium and Brawling Brutes six-man tag match. I thought that was excellent. Just a straight-up fight. Um, I absolutely love that. By the way, props uh, going on props to Solo Sokoa, uh, who is now officially a member of the Bloodline and doing really great stuff. Also, congratulations to him on winning the NXT North American Championship. I think that's great. It's a great elevation for NXT as well because he'll get to do some stuff, you know, bring that title on the main television, perhaps get some more views uh, for NXT, especially as it looks like they're going to be doing some sort of rebranding of NXT. You know, we saw at the end of, of NXT 2.0 this week, Hints of the black and gold logo, and I know everyone's already losing their mind, but everyone just relax. Just relax. It's a logo. Doesn't mean anything. It's just a logo. So just relax. Let's see what they can do with it, okay? Still going to be good, though, and great to solo Sokoa. Um, all this stuff. Uh, Sami Zayn is just incredible. I mean, everything he's doing. I saw on Twitter this week, uh, Rikishi gave a shout-out to the Bloodline and Sokoa, uh, as well as solo Sokoa and... Um, Sami Zayn was like, yeah, us brothers, uh, us honorary oost or something like that. It, it was great. So check out that tweet. That was really funny. Um, great to see Toxic Attraction back on television, um, getting more opportunities uh, to face off on the main roster. I think they'll be coming up soon. Um, great to see Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. Um, really good stuff there. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Ronda Rousey is going to be facing Liv Morgan for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think that's fine. I wish they would stop doing these multi person matches with the females though because they're not really giving them any credible storylines so i don't really like that i wish they would do more than one women's storyline right now because it's just like well we need something to do throw them all together in a five to five fatal five way or a five way gauntlet match or something like that and i get it's giving them more tv time but i'd much rather see more storylines involved in the women's division so i hope that we'll be getting more of that but it should be a good match with uh, ronda rousey and Liv morgan they have great chemistry together and Liv morgan's doing some good work so we'll see what happens with that. Um, I maybe it's just me, but I love Hit Row probably more than I should. But I love I I'm so all in on Hit Row. I think they're just tremendous. Swerve is kicking himself in the ass for not, you know, waiting out and you know wanting his money right away. I mean, part of me understands it. You want your money right away, especially if you can get it from Tony Clown. Fine. 
I get that, but I think he'd be so much better with Hit Row. But anyways, Street Profits and Hit Row defeat Los Lotharios and Maximum Male Models. I love Mansua and Masse. I think that they're hilarious. So we might see a match with BFAB and Maxine Dupree down the road, and I think that'll be great. So great stuff. I love me some Hit Row. Uh, Braun Strowman destroys the Alpha Academy. Fine. Again, my only problem with this, and I mentioned this before, is I just hate the fact that Braun Strowman is doing this at the expense of the tag team division. We saw it on Raw last week, and um, it just, it just, to me, it just has the tag team division losing, losing some credibility, and I don't like that. So um, I, I wish they would find a way to do something differently. I mean, if he's going to have a couple matches with Otis, that'd be fine. Um, I don't mind that. But, yeah, I just wish he wasn't doing that at the expense of the tag team division. But that's just me. And, of course, Drew McIntyre and Solo Sokoa have a great match. Karrion Cross is back. I love the black and white um, stuff when Cross attacks. I thought that was great. Um, they're going to have a great match at Extreme Rules. And it'll be great to see Karrion Cross, what he can do on the major stage with some major talent. So, good stuff from SmackDown this week. Let's switch over to Raw real quick. I didn't have a chance to watch a ton of Raw this week, so I just got some of the highlights. Uh, great to see... Um, it looks like the the feud with Riddle and uh, Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins is going to continue fine. Um, I bet I have a hunch Riddle will cost um, Rollins the U.S. title next week on Raw, but she'll, she'll still should be a good match with Rollins and Lashley. Uh, great to see Damage Control win the Women's Tag Team Championships. I think that's the right decision, and that needed to happen for a while. Uh, I wish they would have held that out just a little bit longer to make Raquel and Aaliyah somewhat a little bit more credible as champs, especially for Aaliyah, because now I worry she's going to get lost in the shuffle. You know they're going to push Raquel Rodriguez, no doubt. She's a superstar, no doubt about it. But um, So I just worry that Aaliyah is going to get lost in the shuffle with this. Um, so we'll just see what happens, but congratulations to Damage Control. I definitely think that's the right decision having Dakota Kai and Io Sky as your new champions. Uh, great to see Johnny Gargano back in the ring again. Uh, great, great stuff. And um, I, again, I know a lot of people aren't big on Johnny Gargano. I think he's tremendous, uh, but really good stuff. And I'm looking forward to the match with him and Austin Theory down the road. By the way, the promo, and we'll get to that, with Kevin Owens on Austin Theory was fantastic. They're going to go one at it one-on-one. That's going to be great next week. Uh, glad to see Sonya Deville competing against Bianca Belair. Uh, so I've always said for a long time, Sonya Deville is a superstar. I think she's fantastic in the ring, got a great look, and she's getting to compete against the Raw Women's Champion. So good stuff from that. I really, really enjoyed that. Omas, uh, Omas defeated two local competitors, whatever. They need to figure out what they're going to do with him. Uh, Dexter, I, 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 Dexter Loomis in, in, invaded the Miz's home. Now... I mean, I, I, the creepiness aspect, I get what they're going for. I just worry that this is going to turn Miz into a face, and I know they're trying to avoid that. Because, like, like, Dexter Loomis broke into somebody's home, you know, with kids and stuff like that. And that's, that's starting to get a little like, okay, so we're really going pretty far with this. Get a little bit more edgy television, which I don't have a problem with edgy television. You just got to be careful that this doesn't turn Miz into a face. And maybe that's what they want to do, but I think Miz is much better as a heel. So we just got to watch out for that. And we'll see where this whole Dexter Loomis-Miz thing goes. I'm assuming a match at Extreme Rules, um, but we'll have to see about that. So good stuff going forward. We'll just have to see what happens with that. And then, of course, um, Dominic Mysterio against Edge. Edge made Dominic Mysterio look great. Um, So Rey Mysterio tried to, all throughout the night, has been trying to get Dominic to change his mind. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, Rhea Ripley seems to have control of Dominic Mysterio. I think uh, you can interpret that however you want. 
Uh, and then the Judgment Day um, took out Edge. Probably is going to write Edge off TV for a while, uh, which is fine. Um, I think that could be good stuff going forward. But So, yeah, good stuff from SmackDown and Raw this week. We'll see what they continue to do in the build-up to Extreme Rules. And those are the thoughts of Derrico this week. My final thought for this week is, once again, just be kind to everybody. I'll be back via satellite next week, but then we'll be live in a couple weeks as you all want to hear from the Director of Operations operating all things directing or something like that. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.